gentlemen, welcome back to podcastjuice.net. My name is Michael Dean, and you are listening to the podcast on Prince. And I'm going to just tell you right now, I know you already see the title, but we got a whole legend in the building. This one, y'all been emailing, writing over the years. So, yo, Mike, when are you going to have cat? When when you did it? So... We, I'm, I'm not even going to do all the big leading and all that. We got Big Sexy and Sack here, of course, but we are joined today by Cat. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to stand up. We're going to clap our hands and, and welcome in royalty. So, Cat, how you doing? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, guys. How are you guys out there? What's going on? What's happening? everything <laughs> <laughs> well cat thank everything you. everything okay well thank you so much for you know spending some time and coming on here i listen we so appreciate it uh there's only a few people that i've always like really wanted to talk to and you were one of the top and that's why i waited for very long uh, because I didn't, you know, I want to make sure I was ready. And like, did we do our due diligence and did we put in the work? Because I didn't want to mess this up. <laughs> so I, again, Aww. I really appreciate you coming on here. And let me get my whole fanboy thing out the way real quick. Listen, uh, it's 2020. I still yeah. got cat up on the wall. Okay, that's how. Aww. That's what I'm talking about. So. When we saw Kat, when you're I making saw... my cheeks hurt. I'm smiling. You're making my cheeks hurt. I'm just. Like I don't mean my booty cheeks. Hilarious. <laughs> well, <laughs> but but not so. I mean, like, I'm smiling so much right now. My cheeks are hurting. Seriously, oh, man. Well, hey, we, we got a lot of love for you, and like I said, we. Uh, I just remember. Let me. I'll say this, and then, just, then I'll get professional. The first time. Not the first time. The first time I saw you was on the Sign of Times 12 inch. But the first time I saw you like on video video, I think it was probably the movie where it got a real clear look at cat. Niggas was sprung. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, <laughs> we was that's like, a shocker for me. Well, thank you. Nah, stop it. <laughs> the whole hood was like, yo. <laughs> Who that? <laughs> so right, anyway. you know I'm from the hood in Chicago, so thank you. Well, okay, so uh, big sexy, how you doing? You good? I'm doing great, man. I can't possibly follow that up, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like big sexy. <laughs> he has good comebacks. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So, um, man, let's just take it all the way back. You brought up Chicago, um. If we could start there, um, take us back to like Chicago. Like, are you from, born and raised from Chicago? Yes, born and raised in Chicago. And, uh, you know, uh, I was like, when I was 16 years old, my parents kicked me out. And Mm -hmm. it's only because I was like this house house party kid, you know, little Frankie Knuckles, go to the clubs, you know, they open up at midnight. And I would just go to Frankie Knuckles Club and jack my body. Blah 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 blah, because I like dancing, and it kind of started from there. Like, what year? When was this? This was obviously in the eighties, and you know, you say Frankie Knuckles. Trying to tell my age. Just trying to tell my age. Please, please. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Let's see. I'm gonna do my Prince voice. Uh, He was around that time. 
Um, yeah, I was about like 16 years old and, uh, I was living on my own and, um, I love Frankie Knuckles. So I used to go to this place called the warehouse and Frankie Knuckles was kind of like my mentor. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was always into Prince at the same time. So I used to live on Lakeshore drive and I remember, uh, Prince was in town and I used to take my tickets and hide it behind a, a picture in a hotel room. Um, in Lincoln Park. And that's how I started. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to see Prince. I'm going to go see him because um, I was always a fan of his. And uh, I remember the first show was at, uh, gosh, and it was in Lincoln Park. I can't remember the place right now. But um, that's where it started. So were you a, a fan of Prince like from the beginning or was there a particular album that got you into Oh, yeah. Um, what it was was uh, I was always a fan of, uh, fan of Prince, but what happened is I had these dreams and I used to get depressed. And the only thing that would keep me going was a Prince album. Mm-hmm. And I remember the Dirty Mind tour. I used to have posters of him and I'm like, oh, he'll never like me. Bought the tickets. And uh, I remember uh went to the concert and, um, oh, I can't remember the place. It's so famous in Chicago right now. I can't remember. But I went to the concert, and I was dressed in my regular clothes. But the thing was, before the concert started, all the ladies would go to the bathroom and dress in their lingerie. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I was one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, um, I used to come to the front of the stage when they played. That was the Dirty Mind Tour. And I would dress in my lingerie. And uh, I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God. Jill Jones was performing with Prince at the time. And uh, I remember Matt Fink threw me his Dr. Mass. And uh, what's his name? Andre Simone gave me his suspenders. And then I put my phone number in Prince's boot. Of course, he never called me. <laughs> he didn't. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, my hair was very short. And it was blue-black. And I was into punk rock. And uh, I was dancing at a club where um, Prince and Dr. Fing, this was before the revolution, and uh, my club was across the street called Dean Bats. And they would come in there after the show, and I was a dancer. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to work for him. I know he would love my dancing, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, Stephen Fargnoli, who was his manager, he said, Kat, um, I need you to do me a favor. Would you like to come to your friend show? I said, sure. He said, well, I have this group called Vanity Six, um, but I need you to teach them some choreography and I'll give you a ticket, you know, uh, to see the show. And I said, sure. So I took that job and it was so easy. And I was right there in a pit watching my choreography with um, Vanity and Susan and um, what's her name? Brenda. That's how it all started. Wait a minute. So I, I never Prince. heard this. <laughs> so so you actually had got well, that, with them back then? Yeah. Yes. Wow. This was before everything in Chicago. Wow. There was a club called Dean Bats. Dean Bats was a club that I used to dance at. And then I would jump on a subway train and go to my other club, which was called Coconuts. Coconuts was a, a gay club with... Um, Snake Dancers, The Bearded Lady, Eddie Murphy, and Arsenio Hall used to come there. That was back in the 80s, yes. And I was so underage and had a fake ID. Okay. <laughs> but I was into punk rock. I had a mohawk, and I was just this, you know, this 
different little black girl that no one ever met, you know, in my area back then. What area of Chicago are you, did you live in or you were from? Well, I live by Wrigley Field on Fremont Avenue uh, okay. and all the clubs. Yes. All the clubs in Chicago was always on the north side, but I came from the south side. So I used to take the trains with all my uh, gay friends and they were all males and we were determined to be famous dancers. That's all we wanted to do was mm-hmm. dance. So that's how it all started. Wow. So you said Wrigley Field. I've been to Chicago a couple of times. You ever been to the, there's a spot over there. It's called uh, the Chubby Bear. Like a little, yes. like right across the street. <laughs> of course. Oh my God. I you played just, a show there. I did a show there one time. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, me mix a lot, sir mix a lot, a couple other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sir mix a lot. Oh my god, <laughs> I got big butts. <laughs> yeah. I never had a big butt. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. awesome. I didn't know that. Oh, that's another life, another lifetime. Um, oh so, wow. Okay, so Chicago. So uh, it, this is interesting. So you had, so you first sort of linked up with them, Dirty Mind, uh, and. What I was one of the points I wanted to get to in this interview. Did you envision yourself? Like, did, could you ever saw yourself? Obviously, you did. You were gonna be on stage with Prince, and, and what it would come uh, to at yes. that time. I tell you this: um, when I saw the Dirty Mind tour, Prince wasn't that popular. I mean, he was playing small venues. I remember, um, but when I saw him and Jill Jones, they did uh, a dance together called. Uh, I don't know if it was delirious or I get, or should we get married or something like that? And I said, Ooh, that girl is beautiful. She was really tall. And I said, I can do that. I can do that. But everyone discouraged me and they're like, Oh, Prince would never like you because you're black Mm -hmm. and you're this and you're that. And I said, but I'm a good dancer. It's not about that, but I can do that. And so nothing discouraged me, but the only thing that kind of, got me pulled back was they said, well, you're not exotic looking and you're just a black girl. Everybody in Chicago, in my community. So when you tell me that I can't do something, that gives me determination to say, yes, I can. I watched this. Mm. And it happened. Wow. So you spoke on something. And that... Jill Jones. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Jill Jones was my encouragement. She really was. Okay. Okay. And shout out to Jill for sure. Um, that's something, you know, I remember back in the day and you, you kind of touching on that when you say, you, you know, you wasn't exotic enough, like, or you was just a black girl. And, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting when you came on. And I'm curious if you are cognizant of this, but it was like they got a black girl up there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like standing Finally. next to print. Yeah. Like, can you speak to that? Was there did you understand that, too, at the time? Well, this is what it was. I looked at vanity, even though, okay, okay, let me just break it down. Vanity, Apollonia, Sheila E., they were all mixed with something. But even though I'm mixed with something, but I came out as the pure black girl from Chicago. And I remember I told Prince, I said, um, oh, my God, you have all these beautiful women. You have Sheila E., you have vanity, you have Apollonia, you have Jill Jones, because they're all mixed with something outside of our race. But me as a black woman, I mix with everything, but I don't come out, you know, looking like them with the straight hair or the mixed hair. And I told Prince, I said, 
why me? He said, why not you? I said, because I'm black. He goes, well, everyone's black. He said, you don't think I like you because of that? I said, I don't look like Vanity. I don't look like Sheila E. I don't look like Apollonia. He was really shocked when I told him that. Mm. So, of course, to me, uh, I'm just dumbfounded. And he was like, well, I like you for the for who you are. And I never thought I was pretty enough or good enough. All I knew is that I was a badass dancer. And that's all I wanted to do was just dance on stage with him. That's it. And I proved my point. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Um, before we move even forward, you know, just talking about dance um, in Chicago, you know, and this was a back, you know, this is before the Internet. So all my younger listeners, you know, there was a time before you had cell phones and, you know, all the email and all that stuff. So you didn't. Yeah. You know, so a lot of styles were regional. You know, what was popping in Chicago, like house music, you know, where I was, we didn't really hear it like that. You know what I'm saying? I had no idea what was really going down over there like that. And the dancers were, you know, the dancers were regional. They would be doing this dance on the East Coast, doing this on the West Coast. <laughs> and you remember, like, yeah. so you as, as a person that, you know, as a dancer, like, how important was the dance? You know, dance was super important. Obviously, you had the break dance movement and different things. But in Chicago, what was what was the style in Chicago? In Chicago, um, I used to go to this place called the Warehouse, and uh, like I said, Frankie Knuckles was my mentor, and I was kicked out at 16, 17 because I was pregnant, and my parents kicked me out the house, of course, and then I had my son, and uh, but at the time, um, I would go down to the Warehouse, and Frankie Knuckles was like a father to me, and he knew all I wanted to do was dance. I would just dance, dance, dance. You know, he would play all this brilliant music. And um, I never followed the trend of anybody. I was always in my own little world every every weekend. It was only on the weekends. They opened up at 12 midnight and they closed at 7 a.m. And excuse me, here's my cold again. Sorry. <laughs> um, so Frankie Knuckles encouraged me, took me to the side. He's like, cat you have a breathable talent. And I'm like, I do. He's like, yeah. he said, just go for your dreams. And I said, well, I can't compete with these women with Prince. I said, but I'm going to try. I just want to be myself and I'm going to stick to what I know. And that's what I did. And I was shocked because a lot of people told me that I couldn't because of the way I looked. Mm -hmm. And uh, my encouragement was being yourself. And it was hard to do that. That was in Chicago let alone coming out to California. And I was like, Scooby-Doo moment, like, oh, <laughs> these women are gorgeous. These women can sing. But I knew none of them could dance. I'm just saying. Okay. now what, They had no talent in dancing. When did you uh, come to uh, L.A.? I moved to L.A. in 1984. And um, I lived with my uncle, and then I got a job in Beverly Hills on Beverly Drive. And at the same time, I was auditioning for, you know, videos and stuff. But they told me I needed an agent. And I didn't know what an agent or management was. But I was in a club and um, in L.A. And someone approached me and said, well, who are you? Do you have a manager or agent? And I was like, huh? Who is that? You know, I'm from Chicago. We don't know anything <laughs> about that. Um, I was just kind of like my own free agent, like football players are. I had no idea what my value was. I really didn't mm. because all I did was dance all my life. So it kind of struck me 
And I was like, I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. Uh, da, 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 da. And that's kind of how it started. And I was wondering, while wow, everyone out here in L.A., how do you guys make a living? You know, what do you do? Oh, we audition. You need a manager. You need an agent. I was like, oh. So basically, yeah. And then when Prince met me, um, he asked me the same questions. Uh, do you have a manager? Do you have an agent? No. You know, it was like that. So I kind of got everything on my own. And this is, uh, man, so 84, you coming to L.A. from Chicago. Was that like a culture shock? You know, it was very different. Yes, it was. <laughs> well, because I took the Greyhound bus. Um, I gave my parents uh, permission to take care of my son at the time. And I told my parents, I'm going to be a star. When I came to California, it really was a culture shock. It was so different for me. Um from the dressing, how people dress and how they act. But I wasn't intimidated until I started going to these auditions. All these girls were so beautiful and I didn't feel like I was beautiful. I was very skinny. Um, my hair was all natural and I really got intimidated, but I had so much confidence in myself as far as a dancer. I didn't care about modeling. I just wanted to dance and I proved myself. And then when I go to these auditions, I could not follow an eight count. You know, they go one, two, three, and four. Mm. I couldn't do that. So when they called my name, I just started dancing. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I did not follow the choreography. I was like, well, this is me. So basically, yeah. Uh, and was and then oh, this, company, this company called Limelight Productions saw me and said, uh, um, do you have an agent? I was like, no. They're like, well, we want you to uh, look at some videos because there's this guy named David Bowie. David Bowie uh, saw some work I did and asked me to come on this Glass Spider tour. The same weekend that Prince I met in a club out here who asked me to be in his band, so I'm so confused. I love both of them. Wow. And I'm like, wow, when it rains, it pours. And I'm not that, I, didn't, I, I had no courage in myself. I really didn't. I had no faith in myself, I had no courage. I was very intimidated by all the beautiful black women out here, Hispanic, everybody. But I had faith in the point that I can dance. Mm -hmm. No one can take that away from me. I was not personally trained, nothing. So, yeah. And was this before, I, I, this was probably after Star Search that you got these opportunities? Or? Um, actually, it was during Star Search. Okay. Take it us, was actually during Star Search. How did you because there was a, uh, that was a I wanted to go into that too. Go ahead. Um, I used to dance in the clubs, like I told you, and there was this guy. Well, we were our club kids, and there was this guy named Patrick Allen um, Whipple, and uh, he, him, and I, and this guy named I think I know you guys know his name, Gerardo Mejia. He did that song Rico Suave. Yeah, yeah. Rico. Rico Suave. <laughs> okay, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so he was my dance partner at the Palace in Hollywood. Wow. And um, that, yeah, I know. So we did this song to Softville, uh, not Softville, um, oh, I can't remember the group, but it was called Moments in Love. And everybody thought I was a man behind the screen because I had so many muscles. So anyway, uh, we did this this thing, and I was his dance partner. And then one day, somebody walked in. I don't know who it was. And they were like, uh, what's her name? 
That's Kat. And does she have a manager? Does she have this? No. Um, well, we want her to audition for commercials. And I was like, okay. So I remember there was a Wendy's commercial with Cool in the Game. And the funny part is, you guys are going to freak out about this. Okay. So I met Cool in the Game at, uh, in Hollywood. And we did the Wendy's commercial. And I told them, I said, oh, my God, you guys are going on tour. I'd love to go on tour with you. They said they would contact me, but they never did. So two years later, um, well, let me go back. Uh, when I met Prince, I went to Minneapolis and we went to Paisley Park and I was in Prince's band. So then um, I walked to Paisley Park one day and Prince told me I can't go into the soundstage because Cool in the Game was performing and Paul Abdul was there. So why did Prince tell me that this was my mission to tell Cool in the Game, you said that you would call me <laughs> and you want me on tour and all this. So JT from Cool in the Game said, I said, remember me? I'm the girl from the Wendy's commercial for chicken nuggets. And he goes, yeah, remember you? Why are you here? Uh, and I said, mm, I wanted to go on tour with y'all, but you guys turned me down and took Paul Abdul. But this is my house. I work with Prince yeah. now. Broke their face. <laughs> that was the biggest break face ever. I'm telling you, it was so good for me. It was like, booyah. They really asked me that. Like, I was a stalker or a fan, and I said, this is my house. I'm in Prince's band now. Yep. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's right? That's it is now. <laughs> That's that pay. Right? That pays the pay. So you didn't think I was good enough, but you were in Prince's house, but Prince thought I was good enough. Now what? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> basically that's what I said without saying it. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So, okay, so uh, Star Search, and for those who don't know, Star Search was like you know kind of the original sort of for format for these shows we got today, like uh, American Idol and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, There's a lot of people who came through Star Search. It was uh, Sinbad was on Star Search. Right? Sinbad. Yes. Sinbad. Sinbad. Was the wasn't there a young was it's not Vanessa Williams was it or was some was somebody else that came through who was some of the other people Let that me came? tell you a story. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. No, you good? My cold. Let me tell you a story about Sinbad. So um, when Patrick and I was on Star Search, Sinbad was a comedian. So him and I, because we made it to the semifinals and the finals. So Sinbad, Sinbad and I. We're backstage talking. <clears throat> Sorry. And he said, uh, well, you know, I'm from Michigan. So I said, oh, my God, my grandmother's from Michigan. Come to find out, my grandmother used to babysit Sinbad. Oh, wow. And so we both freaked out. He said, oh, your grandmother, Catherine Taylor? I said, yeah. He goes, the lady with the toes that's crossed? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, oh, my God, your grandmother used to babysit me. And that's how, to this day, we are best friends. Wow. Okay. That's what happened on Star Search. <laughs> that's great. Crazy, right? It's a small yeah. world, man. That's that's wild. That's how Sinbad, he was so awesome, and he was very disappointed that we lost the finals. But God does things for a reason. And I had no idea my grandmother used to uh, babysit him and been to Harvard, Michigan. Wow. And that's where you, on, yeah. on Star Search, that's when you first... I don't, what's the name of your dance that you do? You're famous for? What is there a name? The cat scat. The cat scat. That's yeah. I remember you. Yeah. I remember seeing that on there. I was like, okay. 
And that's something, again, it was yeah. like we had never seen nothing like that. You know, it's like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, it was just something that I learned um, when I grew up. I used to go to the library in Chicago. And uh, instead of me getting out books, I would get out uh, uh, records, LPs, that was from Africa. Mm-hmm. And there was this song called Akajawa. And I listened to Akajawa and the sound of the drums and all this made me do that dance, the cat And the more I listened to it and the years went by, I did it faster and faster and faster and faster. And that's how that came about. Wow. Wow. The cat which is in the end of the movie. Okay. Remember, um, before it's going to be a beautiful night when I knock all the guys down. Yeah. 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 But that actually, let me tell you, Okay, the dance came from Chicago, from the African album of the song called Akajawa. But the dance came from Prince and I and his bodyguards. We were in Minneapolis, and Prince said, come on, Cat, let's go out to a club. So we went out to a club, and we're sitting in the private area. And I used to always tell Prince, every time we go out, you have to sit in this private booth, and we just look down on people dancing, really. And I was like, I want to dance. So... I went downstairs. Prince stayed up there with Gilbert, his bodyguards. I went downstairs to dance, and there was this girl there. Her name was Michelle. Michelle used to work with me in Chicago at this club called Dean Bats. So I saw her, and I said, I want to dance. Let's just dance. So we started dancing, and she always tried to battle me all my life. So we were on the dance floor, and Prince was looking down on the balcony, and I started doing a cat scat and she started bagging up till I cat scat on her so much she fell on the floor. <laughs> so Prince saw that and started laughing. And that's how he in, he incorporated that inside of the times with all the guys lined uh, up okay. and I knock them all down. Now, this is so funny. How did he have that vision? <laughs> hmm. It was an accident <laughs> and he made it into a movie. Yeah, that's that's a visionary right there for you. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Star Search, that's a nationally, that show is seen all over the country. Um, You guys guys didn't win the final, final one though, right? No, we didn't. We went to the semifinals and lost the finals to a couple called Christopher and Snowy who were dancing to Baby I'm a Star. Really? Prince. At the time, Prince's songs were not allowed on Star Search. You couldn't use his songs, which I wanted to use them. But there was this model. Her name was Devin DeBosquet. Yeah, yeah. And she was, yeah, remember her? I know who she is. Mm -hmm. From Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She was a Playboy model. Mm -hmm. And um, she was dating Prince at the time. And... um, I told her, I said, well, I really want to use Baby, I'm a Star. Well, we couldn't use it. So what happened was the, the team that won against us, they used that song. At when we lost, Devin said, Cat, I feel so bad. I want you to come to a dinner at uh, Prince's house in Beverly Hills for his dad. So I went to the house for dinner. And I remember sitting at this long table, about 12 people. And uh, Prince walked in and he tapped Stephen Barnoli, which was his manager at the time, on the shoulder and said, come on upstairs, I want you to hear the song. It was Housequake. But then Prince noticed he knew everyone at that table but me. And he asked Stephen, who was that? And Stephen said, oh, that's the girls on Star Search with Devin. 
at the end of the night, we all went out to a club. I was very quiet. I was very shy. And a um, friend said, um, would you dance with me when a good song comes on? I said, sure, no problem. And then Prince said, that's the girl that's on Star Search. What song did she use? So after that, Prince asked me to dance with him. Then we started talking. I said, hey, um, I heard we couldn't use your song, but the couple that won against us, they used your song called Baby, I'm a Star, and they won. And he just giggled and laughed. Hmm. You know, it was like that kind of greeting. Yeah, I was like, you should have let me use your song, and then I probably would have won. <laughs> But instead, we use El Debar's song, You Wear It Well. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to El. Yeah. How, now, yeah, we did. El De- how did it become, how did, how did he ask you, or when did it come where he approached you to be in his band? Like, how did that come about? Oh, wow. So after we left his home in Beverly Hills and went to the club and he asked me to dance, I used to hang out at this club called Vertigo in L.A., and basically, I kind of, you can sort of say I ran a club. They had a velvet rope. And I would make the club exciting because I would bring all the hip-hop dancers in L.A. to make the club exciting because it was kind of bougie and it was boring. So we needed to entertain the boring, bougie people. So um, I invited Prince to Vertigo, and he saw the dancers and stuff like that. And then he came up to me, I remember, at a doorway, and he said, uh, Kat, uh, I want you to be in one of my girl groups. And so before I answered him, I bent down because I was shy and I blinked my eyes. I turned around and he was gone. This happened three times. <laughs> so the third time at the club, I had him on the shoulder. I said, look, don't disappear again. Yes, I will. That's what happened. He was like a, a ghost. <laughs> Hi, Kat, would you uh, be interested in being in one of my girl groups? And I'm like all shy and bubbly going, of course. But when I looked up, he was gone. Hmm. Basically. <laughs> what did you make of Prince? Like uh, in terms of those interactions, was it, was he what you thought he would be like? Um, yeah. Okay. He was very quiet. He was very shy and very like, he was a enigma. <laughs> he really was. He was an enigma. I couldn't figure this guy out. I mean, I thought I knew him. I knew he was kind of strange and weird and private and mysterious. But, yeah, I was like, okay, he's, he is real. This is really him. He's like a really, like, mysterious type person. He would say something to you, and you blink your eye, and he's gone. Hmm. Yeah. What, what? So after three times, like, stand still. Mm-hmm. What uh, what made you decide to go with Prince as opposed to, you said, David Bowie had also approached you as well? Um, you know what? I've always, because I used to be into punk rock. I hate that word, punk rock. I was into punk. I always loved David Bowie. And, uh, you know, I never, I never even thought I would want to work with David Bowie. But um, they both were very different type of artists. But I love what they both brought on a different level. But when it came to David Bowie and Prince, I knew I love David Bowie's music, but Prince in my days when I was 17, when I was depressed, I would play his music and it cheered me up. So when I met both of them on that weekend, it was kind of like when it rains, 
is storm. So I said to myself, what would be better opportunity? Bowie for one tour, which is a glass spider tour, or Prince just, whoa. So when I chose Prince, to me, it was a better opportunity. And don't get me wrong, I love both of them. But Prince was the one, I mean, he was just like, it was just, I can't even say what I really want to say. Um, you can, but I, I it was it. like It was like with David Bowie, it was easy. But with Prince, you had to be sexy and beautiful and exotic. And I never thought I was any of those things. Mm. So when I did choose Prince, it was more like a chess game. Mm-hmm. Would he really accept me? Would he really? And he did on every level. And I was very shocked. Yeah. So I did choose Prince over Bowie. But then a couple of years later, we are all on tour together. Uh, Bowie's on his tour. We all met up. And it was awesome. It was no animosity. It was, it was brilliant. And I felt like, wow, I made the right decision. But I did work with David Bowie into getting him some uh, um, production assistance on one of his uh, Glass Spiders tour. So I gave him Constance Marie Lopez. Now Constance, she was my best friend at the time. She played Selena's mom in the movie Selena. She also played, uh, the, uh, what's his name, George Lopez's wife on the George Lopez show. She was the wife. Okay. And so I, we kind of traded off. I said, here, Bowie, here's Constance. And then Prince was like, hey, Bowie, here's Kat. So, yeah. <laughs> That's how it, and I know you guys know her, Constance Marie Lopez. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, she was my road dog. We were like besties of besties. So we did a trade-off, and it worked out perfectly for both of us. Wow. Wow, wow. What You got to tell us that, you know, what was it like? So you, you accepted, you know, Prince's offer, and what happens next? Do you fly off to Minneapolis? Uh, did you work in L.A.? Um, yeah. I remember, well, I remember uh, we were at Prince's house on Elm Street, Beverly Hills. And uh, after I got the call to go to Minneapolis, Prince called me up and he said, I need you to go by my house in Beverly Hills and pick up this dress. Gilbert Davidson is going to be there. So I said, okay. So I go to his house, and he wasn't there. He was in uh, Minneapolis. I pick up this dress. I get the dress. I go back home because I lived in Hollywood at the time. And he said, I booked you a flight. I want you to come to Minneapolis with the dress. Well, apparently, it was the dress that was made for Susanna, Wendy's twin sister. It's that peach dress, you know, with the guitar sign at a time. Oh, that. Wow. Okay. Yes. That was for Susanna. Mm. So um, he flew me to Minneapolis with the dress. I had no idea what was going on. Um, the next day, he said, come to the warehouse because Paisley Park was still being built. So I fly to Minneapolis, and he told me to try on the dress. It wasn't fitted for me. It was fitted for her, but because I was so thin but muscular, it, it fit. So um, he told me to come there. I put on the dress, and then all of a sudden, he had his hair or hair uh, dresser do my hair like his, put me on the cross, the necklace, put me the glasses on, give me the peach guitar, and say, play the guitar. And he knew I can play, but I couldn't play that well. And so I didn't know what we were doing, but the next thing I found out, 
he showed up and said, here, here's the cover of Sign of the Times. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? Wow. See, he never told me what he was doing. And then he goes, look, whatever note you were playing, that's a funky lick, which ended up being the cover with the guitar, with the cross. Mm-hmm. And the impression dad called me up and he said, is that really you in a dress? I said, yeah. He said, I thought my son lost his mind this time. <laughs> I really thought that was him in a dress. I said, no, Mr. Nelson, that's me. Even my dad freaked out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's how that happened. So everything came so fast with me. I was kind of shocked. I knew I had courage and faith in myself, but I didn't know Prince had that much courage and faith in me. Wow. That Yeah, so that's how that happened. Do you think that, and you said the dress was for Susanna. Do you think like he was yeah, thinking Susanna of using Melvin. her? Do you think he was going to maybe try to use her for that or something? Or No, she was supposed to have that dress, but I don't know what happened. Okay. I think because they were engaged to be married or something like that. And um, Susanna and I were really good friends at the time. Um, after I got in the band, but not before. Um, after... Um, you know, the thing came with the dress and he flew me to Minneapolis. I remember uh, meeting Susanna and I totally loved her. And uh, we were at Paisley Park and um, I remember, let's see, we were at Prince's house and I I took his Wildcat. Remember that car that was in Under the Cherry Moon? The, the white? The Wildcat, the white car? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'm at Prince's house and um, uh, Susanna was there and I took the car and so Susanna and Prince said, have fun or something like that to me. And I remember taking the car and uh, I went to downtown Minneapolis and picked up Ingrid Chavez. But while I was in the car, I noticed Prince had all these tapes and all of them was James Brown and they were scattered in the back seat in the front seat. Oh God, they were in the cassette player. And I remember dropping uh, Prince and uh, uh, Suzanne off, and she said something like, have fun. And I went to pick up Ingrid, and I'm playing James Brown. I said, wow, Prince loved James Brown, you know. And I was late bringing a car back. I'll never forget that. (laughs) Came to Paisley Park, brought the car back, and Prince was kind of mad at me. But, you know, I was like, wow, I can get his car. I can play James Brown. I can go here and there. It was pretty hilarious, but Susanna and him were so cool. I really liked those two together as a couple. They were they were pretty cool, you know. Was this? And I was just like, oh. so I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I don't want to interrupt you, but was this before the Sign of Times album came out or after? Um, I think this was during. Okay. This was because Prince had already recorded Sign of the Times the album um, before I met him, but. Uh, after I met him, we were rehearsing for Signing the Times, the tour. Mm. So I had to learn all the lyrics, um, which I was so naive. I didn't know. I was singing parts that I wasn't supposed to be singing. <laughs> I was playing the congas, which I didn't know Sheila E. was supposed to be doing. I was all over the place. I was so I, naive. But Prince, when he saw me doing that, he was probably thinking, why is she doing that? That's not her part. But I sung everybody's lyrics. I played uh, uh, the uh, not the not the Timbali, um, uh, the Kungas. I didn't know. I was just young. I was stupid. But he saw that. He was like, "She's interesting." (laughs) (laughs) 
But when we came to rehearsals, he finally gave us a part. That part that says, um, play in the sunshine mm-hmm. at the end, we are not afraid to, we are going to. That is actually Susanna singing on the original album, but I didn't know that was her. And I started singing her part. I started doing the Sheila E. rap. Uh, uh, what's that, that rap? Um, something about the mini and the mouse and the something yeah, in the yeah, beetle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Prince started laughing because I thought they said you have to learn everything on the album. So I did. <laughs> that was hard. That's just like learning a whole script. <laughs> they didn't they weren't specific. So you just said I'm gonna learn I'm gonna learn all the album. I hear that. <laughs> I learned the whole album. <laughs> the whole entire album. When you um Yeah, that was great. Just just to put it in context for for us, like <clears throat> And you're mentioning, you mentioned Ingrid and Susanna. Was there, like, early on in this rehearsal, were they a part of that or something? Or um, Well, Ingrid came during Love Sexy. Okay, right. And Susanna was there doing Sign of the Times. Okay. But I had never met her because the Sign of the Times album, when I came in, the Sign of the Times album was still being recorded and it was a three album thing and it was called crystal ball or something at the time. Mm-hmm. And Warner brothers told Prince, um, you can't have a three album, you know, songs out there. So Prince narrowed it down to two LP, but it was already recorded by Prince and the revolution at the time. But the new band, all of us, we were just learning it. We were just learning it for the tour. So that was all pre done before us. I remember that very clear like yesterday. When you, you, you mentioned the crystal ball thing, I think it started with the Dream Factory and then it went to the crystal ball. Yes. Um, yes. What, uh, how, how did you, how did, uh, in your viewpoint, how did Prince take, you know, Warner Brothers saying to him like, you know, hey, you got to edit that down and you know, then he comes with a, almost a different concept or something. Were you around or aware of I wasn't aware that much, but I do remember hearing that Warner Brothers said, um, it's too many songs. You have to narrow it down from three to two. I do remember that. So Prince took the best of what he wanted and um, he put it to two LPs. That's what I do remember, the best songs that he wanted. Okay. What did you think when you heard that album for the first time? What did you think of it? Oh, wow. I loved it. I loved it. Dorothy Parker touched me. I do remember sitting down. Um, I was in Crisscross Applesauce, <laughs> and they were doing Dorothy Parker. That song just amazed me um, because there's something about it that reminded me of Chicago, uh, a struggling female or something. Um, Dorothy was a waitress in the promenade. You know, that... That I remember that so clear to this day. And I remember that it was so hard for him to take certain songs off the album. And Crystal Ball was another one of my favorites, mm. which is why he put that ball inside of the time. It was a kind of difficult situation for him. But like I said, all of us band members, we had nothing to do with that. That was actually the revolution with Prince was pre-recorded before he fired them in Europe. Mm. Um, and they were all 
aside from Dr. Fink, they were pretty much out of the picture when you came around? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they were. They were out of the picture. Apparently, he had fired them somewhere in Europe, put them in one room and said, well, I'm, I want a funkier band or something like that. Mm. I was like, whoa, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> that's cold. Wow. You just fired the revolution because you want a funkier band. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. You know, but I spoke on it later. I didn't know Prince that well, but once I got to know him, I told him, I said, wow, you're kind of cold. I did. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> Huh? I would say, what did he say to that? Um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And he pimped, he pimped out the room. You know, that walk he has. Okay, right, right. Yeah, it was in Studio A. I remember that Paisley Park, he pimped out the room. So before we get into Sign of Times, I got to ask you, because you, you mentioned when you first came to Minneapolis, Paisley Park had not been completed yet. What was it like mm -hmm. once that opened up? Were you there opening day? What was that the whole scene about? Um, we had just finished um, the Sign of the Times tour. When we were on Sign of the Times, Paisley Park was still, still being built. Okay. And um, when we got off the Sign of the Times tour, we got to come in Paisley Park. And we were like, whoa, wow. It was like our house, our playground. I'll never forget um, it was just us. And I remember walking in there and I was so mischievous. I used to, um, while the band was rehearsing, of course, I was on the prowl and I was curious. So I would go to the sound stage and I would find the ladders that lead to the roof. I would go up on the roof <laughs> and um, look down through this glass diamond, which is the same photograph Prince has in a black hat. He's on the roof looking down. But I did that before then. I was just like a little kid. And I was like, this is amazing. Oh, my God, this is beautiful. Because the warehouse really was a warehouse. It was so tiny. And uh, I remember Prince taking us to the sound stage. I remember Sheila E. and Prince roller skating <laughs> through Paisley Park. It was just a big fun house. But it didn't have all the photographs and pictures that it has now. But it still was the same. It wasn't painted. Um, only thing it had was his Studio B. Prince said, I think, I can't remember the artist's name. He did my logo. He did this room. Uh, we had all of our names and pictures and on uh, of the wall is Studio B. Mm -hmm. And then they had a dance studio, which I told Prince, thank you for the dance studio. Um, it was just amazing. We were so happy at the time. I mean, oh my God, it was just beautiful. It was, we had no gates. You know how it is now. You have mm -hmm. security, you have fences. It was nothing like that. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just, it was freedom. Not like it is now there. It was, it was freedom because no one knew that um, we were out there. They just knew that was Prince's building. No one bothered him at the time. I'll never forget that. You could walk into the front door. A secretary was there. Um, she'll just ring Prince or whoever. It wasn't like it is right now. That's what kind of bothers me. That really does bother me because the freedom has been taken away. Mm. We'll, we'll come. That's back. why I would never go there. Oh, I really? would never, ever, ever go to Paisley Park. 
Really? To this day, I won't. No. It's not home anymore. When was the last time you were you were there? Um, probably in the nineties. Okay. Yeah, I would never go there because it's not the same. It's not home. It's become some type of corporate office business. And then I found out that they have a liquor license. Prince never did like liquor. He might have had a glass of wine, but he would never approve of that. So yeah, uh, I, I just have the memories in my head how it was and how it should be. So yeah, yeah. Have they ever approached you to participate in anything celebration? Um, no, I actually, I actually told them do not use my image or anything without my permission. But there's a lot of fans who went to Paisley Park and took pictures and my image is everywhere splattered on the walls because I'm going to do Prince justice. I'm not going to let someone um, take advantage of him knowing that I know how he really was. Yes, he wanted that to be a museum, but at the same time, he wanted people to come in there and record. Um, right now, it's become a circuit. I just can't. I can't um, go in there and fake it and smile and go, oh, this is where we um, used to do this. It's not the same. It's just not. It's wrong. And that's why Jerome Benton and I, we spoke, um, I think, 2016 or 17 at the Manuela Prince Ceremony. I was there with Jill and Jerome and Spike Lee. And um, Jerome said, I'll never step a foot in there again until they change what they're doing. Because apparently when Jerome was there, they told him, you can't go in this room, you can't touch this. And of course, it's an insult to him because he's been with Prince since the beginning of time. Right, right. So you know what I mean? You can understand how he feels. No, I get it. I mean, I, I, guess I can see from your viewpoint, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah. Man, that's unfortunate, but I understand what you're saying. Oh. Yeah, and then like... um. Uh, I don't know who's taking over now, but the thing with the liquor license, I just shook my head. I said, I can't, I can't. That's not what he wants. He wanted to have his party, serve pancakes afterwards, <laughs> have other musicians to come in there and record like he was doing when he was alive. Not the party, um, let's serve some alcohol, turn it up. No, that wasn't him. Mm. So I can't be a part of that. Got it. I got it. What do you think of, um, since we're here, what do you think of these, you know, the new releases, uh, album releases and things that they, you know, have been... Are, I don't like it. The reason why I don't like it is because um, a lot of the stuff in the vault, Prince didn't finish. He didn't finish it for a reason because he didn't like it. But now they're releasing stuff that I know he wouldn't appreciate or approve of. But they're trying to make money, so they're going to do whatever they can to make money. And I don't think that's right because they're not keeping this legacy alive. And um, I don't know. Everything they're doing now, the T-shirts, uh, taking things away from the fans. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Prince wouldn't have liked that at all. The alcohol thing, the liquor license, I'm so disgusted. Seriously, I am. So I really am. What What do you do? Because uh, eventually they're going to come around to, you know, sign of the times and, and love sexy. Um, would you participate? Right. You know, if they're like, hey, we need you. We want to ask you some questions about this or do, you know, whatever. Um, they end up doing, would you do well, something? if it's at Paisley Park, no. If it's somewhere else in another venue, yes. 
Okay. I refuse to do anything at Paisley Park. That's on Bible religiously. Mm. I refuse. I know what's really going on there. Um, I'm talking about, um, let me just say this. I'm upset that, um, and it's really not her fault. I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Tyka, she, um, she got herself caught up in a web um, trying to get what she deserves. But at the same time, she spent so much money on these shysty lawyers that they knew what they were doing. They knew that she had to have lawyers to gain this and gain that. And they knew at the end of the day that she's going to have to pay for them. Well, she didn't have the money, so she sold a lot of her shares to these people. For instance, that brother Alfred did. You talk about that as well, ninety percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. So basically, the shares they sold to pay off the lawyers were the most important shares. Meaning, the shares you sold was they can do what they want to Paisley Park just to pay off these lawyers, which is why they have the liquor license, and which is why they have control of certain things. But Tyka really had no other choice because she didn't really know. I'm not going to diss her or dog her for that. Yeah. And then Alfred, Prince's half-brother, he sold off 90% of his share, and the next day he was dead. Come on now. Mm. It was all a setup. And I don't like it. That's why I sent a message out to Paisley Park, do not use my image without my permission. Nothing. Because I don't dig what they're doing. And I kind of feel bad for Tyka, but at the same time, she didn't know what she was getting into. She really didn't. But there are a lot of shysty people out there. They're in control of the merchandise. They're in control of Paisley Park. And hopefully, I hope not the bolt. Hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... Well, we're in church now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd ask you this, you yeah. know, do you this what we're just talking about here? Do you have these conversations with other, you know, uh, your fellow um, Prince uh, people that you've worked with over the years? Do you guys talk about this? Of course. Of OK, of course. Being Dr. Fink, we talk about it a lot, mm. a lot. As a matter of fact, we spoke to Dr. Fink a couple of days ago. I spoke to Wally. I spoke to Brooks. I spoke to Miko. And everybody says we just sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're all disappointed. We we just sit back and watch. And I keep telling the fans, if you really, really, really love Prince, you can stand up and say, hey, Prince wouldn't want this. We wouldn't want that. Because it's all about making money right now. It's not about his legacy. And if you truly love Prince and respect him, you wouldn't go for this. This is not a party house. It's being very disrespected. Mm. And I refuse to be a part of it. Um, I agreed to do this interview with you guys because I heard about you guys. My business manager, Haley Drinko, has so much respect for you guys. There are a lot of people I've turned down. Yeah, she does. And, uh, you know, we're trying to keep his legacy alive in a positive way. No one is trying to make money off him. I have never done anything since Prince died for money. Never, ever. Mm. I don't write books. I don't sell T-shirts. I don't do anything like that. So I say, Prince know who I really am, and he knows who his friends really are. 
And Dr. Fink is not happy with a lot of things either. Okay. Okay. Would you, and that's a big thing right now, the books, and, you know, and that type of nature. Would you ever do a book or like, a, would there be a cat movie or something? You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of this type of stuff. What I said to everyone is that um, I, one thing I can respect about Sheila E., I'm going to say this, put it out there. I respect the fact that she put her book out when Prince was alive. Mm. But the people that are doing uh, books besides Wally, Wally's cool, <laughs> that are doing books about Prince, how do we know this is true? He's dead. He can't speak for himself. Mm. As far as his memoir goes, he did 40, no, 50 pages. And it's the guy who's interpreting what Prince said or done. I would never write a book only on Prince. If I wrote a book, it would be not a book. It would be a documentary. And it would not be about Prince. It would be about Cat Glover, who started her life in Chicago, who talks about how she became who she is, how she met Prince, and therefore and they're on. It's about me. It's not about uh, exposing Prince and talking about Prince just to make a dollar off him. Because my life was before Prince. My life with Star Search was before Prince. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everything, I did a lot of things before Prince. So, of course, he would be included, but it's not to say, well, Prince did this and Prince did that and that. That's not cool, man. Why didn't you do it when he was alive? But you you feel me? You know why they didn't do it when he was alive? It shut them down. Yeah, because, first of all, <laughs> Prince would have sued them. Second of all, they wouldn't have done it. So, to me, you're a bully, you're a coward, mm. and you're just trying to make money off him. I have no respect for people like that. I really don't. I said it, and I'll say it again. I'm very non-filtered and I'm very still devoted to him. So I would never write a book about Prince. If I did anything, I would do a documentary, black, grainy, white, starting from Chicago when I was a kid to up to my career. Mm -hmm. Because I worked with many of people before Prince, during and after Prince. You know, so I I, I just don't like what I see out there. You've never seen me in videos, documentaries, here I come, pop, 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 pop. And everyone seems to think they know Prince better than everybody. Uh, Okay. Prince had, (laughs) yes, thank you. Prince had different relationships with everyone, you know, on different levels. But the most thing that bothers me is when they do these tributes. Okay, (laughs) I can't. Oh, no, go ahead. If I see another one. If I see another tribute of somebody who just want to be on the Grammys or the American Music Awards singing a Prince song, I'm going to throw up. Because Prince was very funny, and he would laugh at people doing his music. (laughs) He would say, no one's playing me in the movie but me. Mm. And just because you're a celebrity that's very, very well known, doesn't really give you the credit to go up there and sing a Prince song and speak on Prince. The people that can really speak on Prince were the people that was in his band that actually worked with him. Like literally, seriously. For sure. No, I, I, I get it. I, I wanted, so I, and I wanted to ask you about this Sign of the Times um, uh, release that recently came out. I know you were a part of it, but that was one of the things to me originally when I heard about it and when people started asking, like, well, is Cat going to be on there? Is Levi going to be in there? Who 
you know, and specifically, I was kind of like, well, I got some black folks that go, I got a, <laughs> you know, but go ahead. Well, I had approached, I got approached from um, Rolling Stone magazine through my business manager, Haley. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say any names, but they approached some other people. Let me just say it in Prince voice. They didn't want to do it because they wanted money. I did it for free mm. because that's just how I am. I did it for free um, for the sign of the time and rocket pool um, did the t-shirts. Germany owns the rights to sign of the time. I did it for free because I don't want any money from it. I'm not trying to get anything from it. I'm just who I am. I'm still the little black girl from Chicago. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to get recognition. My voice, my actions, my dance, my choreography is the truth. I'm the one who choreographed that whole sign of the time tour. I'm the one who choreographed Love Sexy Tour. I'm the one who wrote the, the um, rap to Alphabet Street. And I found out from Miko that Prince used to always say, Cat is the best dancer I've ever had. Cat, 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 cat. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that because I knew how to stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. My lane was, I'm a dancer. I have faith in who I am. This is my job. I'm not trying to seek fame like that. But it seems like since Prince died, I just sit back and laugh. I'm going, wow, Prince really knows who you are now. Wow. And now I'm hearing stories about band members. I had no idea what was really going on. And uh, I'm going to stay true to myself, period. Okay. I pick and choose what I want to do. Well, and I hear, I would say this, you talked about it, it's, it's com, uh, commendable, if it's the right word, that you, you know, did it for free and things, but I'm an outsider, and I'm a, I'll tell you this, my thing about it, though, is they selling these products, and if they are using mm-hmm. your likeness and different things, then where is the money going? Like, to me, the people who put in the work, like yourself and other band members, I feel like they should they should be getting uh, a royalty or something because oh, yeah. without you, it I'll wouldn't be nothing. This. Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you this. Um, friends, um, when Purple Rain came out, after Purple Rain, and since he was alive and since he died, everyone that was in the movie Purple Rain, Prince broke them off. Mm. Okay. Now, I can't say this person's name, but when they became Prince's lawyer, manager, blah, 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 they were controlled. Uh, they controlled all of Prince's things. Um, and when Sign of the Times came out, they did some shady stuff that made them the payee to everything mm-hmm. as far as Sign of the Times movie goes. But what they failed to forget, I'm a member of SAG, Screen Actors Guild. I'm a member of AFTRA. I'm a member of ASCAP. So I get this letter in the mail about, I say a week ago, saying unclaimed funds. I'm like, huh? Mm. Unclaimed funds? So I contact them. What do you mean unclaimed funds? And it was for signing the Times the movie. I'm thinking, how could it be unclaimed and I should have gotten it? So then they tell me, well, you have to go to the theatrical department. Well, the same people, okay, uh, was around when Prince died. They're the ones who took over all the finances and put it in their name. Mm, I've heard something. And I'll just say, Mm -hmm. and I'll just say one person, I don't know if they still work for them. uh, They work for CNN. 
<laughs> think you. about it. I know you're talking about. Ooh. You know who I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking about, right? Most oh, definitely. Oh, yes. Think about it. CNN. Hey, what, what, my man <laughs> Chuck, what my man Chuck D say? Every brother ain't a brother. <laughs> oh, and Chuck D is my boy. So let, let's just put this off the record real quick. I'm just going to let you know. But you can't put this on a record, just so you guys well, know. Hold, hold, hold on, because you, you hold on. Let Let's do hold that on. afterwards. Because I'm gonna let you know. Well, I got to mark. Let me mark down where this is, so I can make sure to cut it up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Um, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm saying light in the mood, but just the pivot, just a little bit. Um just to back up where we sort of had left off where we went down this road, going yeah. back to sign the times, that concert, iconic, just ridiculous. But I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I was feeling, I was in my feelings back in the day when they never really came to America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was, did you, I mean, did you, uh, did you guys want to tour the States or what was going on? With no, that? no. Prince did not want to tour the state. He said um, that the fans in Europe were more acceptable and they were more enthusiastic where in America they weren't more acceptable to the new music, which was Sign of the Times. So um, he wanted to do just a European tour. But unfortunately, excuse me, why he was doing the European tour, us, it it was a thunderstorm, a rainstorm. And I remember us uh, playing live outside and the rainstorm came. And I remember the lightning was striking mm-hmm. and it hit uh, a sign uh, and it hit Bonnie Boy's Bonnie keyboard and took a chunk out of her keyboard. And Prince told us to keep playing. And it got worse and worse. And mind you, I'm in my panties and bras. Prince said, that's it. He told the people the concert was over. So he decided to film it. We went back home to Paisley Park. We had the film that we did live in Europe, and we did pickup shots at Paisley Park, and then we did some overdubs here in Los Angeles at um, Larrabee Studios, and uh, it's another studio up in Hollywood. So that's how that happened. It's all mixed together. He decided to put it on film. That's what happened with that. We, um, he did not want to come to America because he said the American people didn't, you know, he, he just wasn't into it because he said they did not love him like Europeans did. Uh, he man. really did. Man, he, he was. And so that's why we decided to put it on film. And if you look at it closely, you'll see there are scenes with lighters. That's in Europe. Then you'll see mm-hmm. close-up shots. That's at a studio at a recording studio here in Los Angeles in Hollywood. Yeah, I've seen. And then there's overdubs. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, I mean, I've and I've seen it so many times now. I can you can really start to spot it. But when it first came out, though, man, that was just a head. It was a headbuster. Like I was just blown away watching that. But again, I was just mad that we didn't get this. I was like, man, you wrong, brother. We we love you out here. We was you. Like- <laughs> me too. I felt the same way. I wanted to go to Chicago and make myself proud of my family and yeah. all my people in Chicago. I was bad too. So join the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we was ready. I man. was so bad. There was a yeah. um, there was a Rolling Stone article that came out while you guys were 
overseas during that tour. And that was the only glimpse that we got. It was because there were pictures in there. Yeah. And I was that picture with Prince trying to take off my bra. Yeah. Yeah. That song Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that. And I remember the band started laughing and I told Prince, I said, wow. You can even take off a woman's bra, right? <laughs> he really tried to do it. I literally said it was unexpected. Okay, we were supposed to do the song "Kiss," and I, you know, you know, Prince is for shock value. So as we walking backwards, my hand is in back of my butt because I never like my booty, and so my hand is in back of my butt, and I noticed he was trying to take off my bra, but it was for shock value because he knows if he had done that, I'm so quick to hide my boobs, but it didn't work out. And Rolling Stone happened to capture that picture. <laughs> mm. And I teased it, and everybody in the band teased it. It was like, you can't even take off a woman's bra. Yeah. So that picture, I remember that, Rolling Stone magazine. That was hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, You just brought me back a memory. Yeah, the chemistry between you two was was off the charts. Like, again, I was I was a teenager looking at that video or that movie, and I'm like, Mm-hmm. Man, and there's the scene where you guys was it? Uh, if you do, I was your, if I was your girlfriend, and you do the whole thing with the yeah. bed thing. Listen, that was awesome. <laughs> I was like, man, I is love they really that about scene. to get it popping. Like, what is Prince and this girl dating? You know, like, what's going on? This, you know, this was funny because I didn't know about that scene because Albert Magnoli. Okay, at the time there was a director strike, so um. Albert Magnoli was not supposed to be directing it. So that's why Prince put his name on it as a director, but it was really Albert Magnoli. Mm. Albert told Prince, this is what I want you and Kat to do. I want her to get on his heart, and then I want you to get on top of her. And there was these hydraulics. So I'm on this heart at the end, and I'm thinking Prince is so short, and I'm so tall. <laughs> and I remember when that heart went back, my hair got stuck in the heart at the end. Oh. So Prince had to tell Dr. Fink to keep playing that one note for, I think it was Let's Go Crazy. I'm like, my hair is still stuck. It was so hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, that's why it took so long. And I'm like, I can't do this, Prince. You're so short. He was like, don't move. Don't move. We were actually talking to each other on that heart. (laughs) Yeah. That was not my idea. That was Albert Magnoli's vision. Okay. What about the part where he's, uh, I think it was hot thing, and he's like slides through your legs and grabs the. the oh, oh my God! How many That's times you guys got to practice doing something like that? Uh, okay, I'm gonna bring it to you short. So, <laughs> we were in Stockholm, Sweden, I think, and we were going through rehearsal, and uh, uh, Prince they had this tutu on and had Velcro on. So we're we're practicing this because I had choreographed it. Unfortunately, I didn't choreograph the part where Prince slides through my leg and take my skirt off with his teeth. However, I was supposed to run, but when I ran, the linoleum on the floor had a bubble in it. And so when I ran, I tripped and broke, I mean, no, I tripped and I tore a ligament in my right ankle. So um, I remember I jumped off the stage in rehearsal and I was crying and Prince didn't know what was going on. So I'm backstage and I'm crying and Prince came back there and said, 
Um, I thought you ran off the stage because you're on your period. <laughs> I said, I said, no. I said, no. And my ankle was swollen. Yeah, he thought, he said something like, oh, Wendy and Lisa done that too. Wow. He thought it was that. And I said, no. So he sent the doctor backstage and my ankle was swollen. And uh, they took me back to the hotel. The show was in two weeks, so they gave me a shot. I'll never forget that in my ankle. And they told me to stay off my ankle for two weeks. And I'm like, all this for hot things? And Prince, I told Prince, so two weeks later, I wore uh, this wrap that you can, if you look closely at the movie, on my right ankle, there's a wrap that matches my skin color. And this shot they gave me only, it was good for like four hours. And then it wore off. So I was in pain on stage, but I continued to dance. And it was a torn ligament in my right ankle because the crew forgot to flat out the linoleum, that black wow. piece of bubble. Yeah. Wow. What, what, yeah. what was the process? I mean, this was your first tour. What was that whole process of just the rehearsals and working with the band and then you guys, when they introduced the stage to it? I mean, was that... I was very, I was so intimidated, but at the same time, I was so excited because I was the youngest in the band. I was the newest in the band. And most of the band members were Sheila E's band. Prince told Sheila to fire her band um, at the time. And Sheila fired her band, which was Miko, Bonnie, Levi. Yeah, that was it. And then Prince hired her band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I was new. But uh, yeah, that's what happened. And so Sheila fired a band, come to find out Prince hired a band and then made Sheila the drummer. That's the truth. <laughs> so I'm the newbie. I'm the youngest. I was so overwhelmed. I was shocked. Um, I was so happy. It was like, oh, my God, Sheila E. Oh, my God, Sheila E. That's all I was saying. <laughs> Love her. And uh, I'm looking at Miko and Dr. Fing. And I was just overwhelmed because I was the youngest in the band. I never uh, experienced anything like that. But I held my own. Yeah, you had such Being a Being prominent... from Chicago. Yeah. You, were... huh? you had such a prominent role in that, though, like, at least from our point of view. But I never knew I would. I, I never knew what Prince was up to. I never knew his plan, but when we figured it out, I won't say the name, but someone said, hmm, they put her on the cover. I didn't know I was going to be on the cover. I had no idea. Mm. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just followed direction. That was it. So you said somebody was hating? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but my... My little young, immature, naive, but I just loved everyone. I had no idea I was being hated on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was okay because, um, you know, I wasn't in that frame of mind. I never knew the music industry. Um, but, you know, I learned quickly. I did. I learned quickly. And I didn't realize that once you are in a band with a famous person, uh, there are a lot of people that have been there before me for years. Um, they know the drill, but I didn't know the drill. Mm. But being a little girl from Chicago, I finally clicked like, whoa, I'm not like very much. Okay, but I'm here to do my job, and that's it. What was it, uh, you know, during this time, 
and I've heard other things, and hopefully we can get some clear understanding on this, but talk to me about like this black the black album and like the Oh, okay. So um when I first uh got in person's band, I remember um he asked me to come to Paisley Park. And I don't know if he was testing me to see if I can sing or rap, but I do remember being in Studio B and him and Sheila E were uh, rehearsing, I think it was La Grind. Mm. And I remember Sheila E was doing her Timbali solo and um, Prince asked me to check the mic. He said, say something, check the mic. So I started rapping, music is the key. I had no idea he was recording me. And um, it was a song called Sandy C. And um, he recorded it. And then we did LaGrine. Then we did uh, Sandy C. We did Bob George. Anyway, at the end of the day, he put the song on a black album. But Steve Silk Hurley from Chicago, is a dude that do house music, he actually wrote the rap for that. Mm. It ended up being on the album. Me not knowing about the music industry and copyright before it came out, um, I told him, I said, I didn't write that rap. It's a guy named uh, Steve Sip Curley. I used to go to house clubs in Chicago with Frankie Knuckles, and that was it. So we had to get clearance on that. And that was the first time that Prince heard me rap or sing. So that's how that started. But most of that album was previously recorded right when I got in the band. And it was only me, Prince, and Sheila E. at the time. And that was recorded in Studio B. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And do you remember other songs that you were jumping on as well? Um, I mean, I've heard other things. I can only assume that's your voice I hear in some of these things. But do you remember other songs that you were working, you, you got on as well? Um, I was on a song. Well, you know, when... Um, the, what you call it, Minneapolis County sheriffs invaded uh, Prince's vault and drilled in the vault. Mm-hmm. Well, my business manager uh, got pictures of the vault, and I told her, I said, a lot of my music I recorded is in a vault. And there's a song called Cat Attack, mm-hmm. a song called Cat and Mouth. It's a song called A Man Called Jesus. And I told them that I had recorded these songs with Prince, and most of them I wrote with them. So when um, Minneapolis County drilled that hole in the vault, they took pictures. So my business manager, um, because it's public uh, property, she took pictures of it and I put it on Facebook. And I said, I told you guys, I recorded and wrote a lot of songs with Prince. And the one song called A Man Called Jesus, I did with Prince when I lived in London, uh, when I left Prince. And um, I was signed to Warner Brothers. And I stayed with Stephen Farknoli, which was his manager who he fired. So Prince, um, you know, people thought that me and Prince fell out, but we actually didn't. And he knew I was signing to Warner Brothers in um, England. So he said, I want you to come to Minneapolis and do these songs. And he wrote these songs. I recorded the first song, Man Called Jesus, which was a rap. Warner Brothers did not want me to release that. So Prince gave it to Mavis Staple. Made the staple end up doing the singing version of it. Mm. I did the original rap version of it. And then there was a song, A Man Called Jesus. Also, the song from Carmen Electra album, Good Judy Girlfriend. I wrote that. Really? Carmen didn't know that. Prince gave that to Carmen. I wrote a lot of songs, but I didn't know about copyright or nothing. I was just so excited that 
Prince liked my music and used it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know about copyright. I didn't know about anything like that. That's how naive I was. But um, there's a lot of um, photographs of the vault that Prince put my name in, in a red circle. And it says, uh, 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 cat attack, cat and mouse, man called Jesus. And it's all in red and it has the dates on it all in the vault. Wow. Do you have copies of yeah. these songs? No, I don't. Because since Paisley Park got taken over by banks and all this, they have everything. They own it. Yes. Wow. Now, uh, and you can, um, you can contact Haley and Haley will send you all the photographs of everything of my music in the vault. And this is the thing I'm like, I don't want them to release my stuff without my permission. Alphabet Street, the rap I wrote. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing, right? That's crazy. <laughs> it's just, it really yeah. illustrates, too, how, you know, we got to, you know, be on our business, man, because there's so many outside people that want that bag. You know, exactly. You know and this is what happened. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't believe for one minute that Prince did not leave a will or will of trust. Mm. It's no way. No way. No way. But what I will say, the music that I recorded with Prince, I wish someone would put it out there. <laughs> so you wish they would. Yeah, meaning you don't get a gunshot in your ass. That's what I mean. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wish you would. Try me. Mm. You know, try me. I'm the only person um, besides, you know, a few people that have not trying to be in the spotlight, trying to put out books, trying to make money off friends. I'm really trying to respect his legacy because I was a true friend and still am a true friend. And for you to steal someone else's music and call it your own and own it. Yeah. Well, Warner brothers may own his cat. That's another thing. What the, wow. I just can't. (laughs) How can you, uh, get your music back, and the same lawyer who got your music back sold it back to Warner Brothers. Mm. People rag on Jay Z, but Jay Z said the truth. Why did you give your masters back to the master? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a dirty game. There's a lot of people. It's so dirty. You know, putting their hand in the. It's very dirty. What um, exactly is very dirty? Yeah, let, just to just to finish out on this part, and I want to go into Love Sexy. <clears throat> um, and I don't know if you want to speak on this or not, but do you, what did you know? What 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 do you think led to not wanting to put the Black album out? Because like um, Prince had an epiphany. Um, I remember. Okay, Love Sexy. I got a phone call, and Prince asked me to come to his house that night. So I went to his house that night. We were sitting at his kitchen table and he had this, you know, the old fashioned phone that has hold, hold, hold for five people. You know, the old fashioned mm-hmm. hold, hold. He oh, said yeah. to me, yeah. okay. He said to me, I remember I had my hand on my chin and he said, we have to cancel the black album. And so I said, okay. And I said, why? 
he said, because it's evil, it's dark. Then he goes, we have to take off all of our makeup and we can't drink wine anymore and we can't, can't, can't. So I remember he called up Wendy and Lisa. I was sitting there and he told them he loved them. He called up mostly everybody in the revolution. And he says certain things I can't say about Sheila E. I can only say this off the record. So if you want to go off the record, I'll tell you that. And uh, he called up Warner Brothers and he said, this was the day before the Black Album came out. I'm sitting there with him. It was 500 copies already ready to ship. He told them to cancel the album. That night, I was with him, sitting in his house in Chanhassen. He said, cancel the Black Album. He said, because it was evil and the devil was pulling him down and we need to do something, something like, brighter or heavenly or something like that. Of course, Warner Brothers wasn't too happy. That same night, he went to Paisley Park and started recording Love Sexy, which you consider the White Album. Hmm. There's a lot more to that story. I'm sure there is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I'm the key to the story, trust me. But just to put it right there, that's how it started. He felt that it was too dark he had an epiphany and he saw God and he saw heaven and he saw something better. And that's how he ended up naked on the cover of Love Sexy, which is interesting. When you saw, to say that, the least, when you saw that cover, what did I'm you think? <laughs> well, all the band members, we saw it at the same time. We were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, we all saw it at the same time. Yeah, it was different. Uh, I wasn't there when he did the photo shoot. No one was there. We just saw it and went, okay. But I was there when he canceled the album. And I remember, I don't know if his, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Benny Medina. Benny Medina. Yeah. Okay. Everybody was shocked. I remember sitting there and they were yelling at him. Hurry up, 500,000 copies. He said, I don't want it out. Burn it. Yeah. Mm. And that's when him and I got really deep and close in his feelings and his honesty. And I was the only one there. I was. Interesting. Maybe one day I'll speak about it, but right now I really can't, but it's deeper than you think. Well, I would He had imagine. an epiphany. Let's just say that. Now I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask you this respectfully and you don't have to answer, but but they'll crucify me if I don't at least, you know, Uh-oh. there's always been the rumors and I've heard other people tell this story in their perspective. Right. Uh, and some people the mentioned of drugs and things of that nature. Is, is that anything like one? Sec, well, sorry. My <laughs> cold. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I told you I have a cold. I'm sorry. Are you real? We real people. Okay, I'm going to ask colds happen. I want to answer your question, but I had to blow my nose. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, continue. No, so I was, you know, I've heard, you know, the the, the rumor mill or the word on the street or on the internet for that matters. Oh, he had a bad trip or something, or he was experimenting and things of that nature. Me as a fan. That's true. Oh, you say that's true. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> 
Well, I'll That's leave true. that at that unless you want to go any further. Well, you can finish ask her, asking the question, but <laughs> I want to hear the rest of your question. Come on. Well, no, I'm just What's saying. The rest? Well, the, that that was shocking to me. No, he did. Say, say I don't think it was a bad trip, but he had a trip. Like the song says, this is not music. This is a trip. Oh, okay. Okay, so I'm just. I'm so, just talking to you. I wouldn't talk to anyone else, but I wanted you to continue your question, but I answered you too fast. <laughs> well, you but you said something. I'm just being pretty, honest. No, you said something very interesting. You yeah. said it was a trip, but it wasn't a bad trip, right? No. And sometimes we always think why, of badness. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. So when you hear the uh, uh, LP, the I think it's a 12 inch. When I go, this is not music. He goes, this is a trip. Mm-hmm. It was a trip. Is he... It wasn't a bad trip. Okay. And is that sort of where he may have gotten some, I don't know, you said epiphany or enlightenment sort of came maybe from yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was an enlightenment. And I was there. Okay. Okay. And and I spoke to, I think, Wendy and Lisa that night. Wendy or Lisa, I can't remember who it was, but I was at his house. I was the only one with him. Was there, if you could connect the dots, was Ingrid there or Susan Rogers or something? Um, no, I, okay, I was supposed to go to a club with Prince that night. I got dressed. He didn't show up till 1 or one thirty, And when he finally came to pick me up, I was in his car with Gilbert and Ingrid Chavez was at Paisley Park recording. And he said, um, Kat, I met this girl. She's so beautiful. Her name is um, Gertrude. And so I got on the phone with her. And I said, hi, Gertrude. And she said, hi. And he had left her at Paisley Park to record. And she was the best poet, most soft-spoken person. And she was very interesting. Just, just an amazing woman. I had never met her. And I told Prince, why did you leave her at Paisley Park by herself? I was at his house. So I told him to go back to the studio. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had never met her, but I heard her voice. And she was very soft-spoken. And then you said from that moment, it's sort of when the, re the recording of that love sex um, started? Yeah, but I think when he went back to the studio, I can't really remember... But he left her in Studio A to record her uh, poetry. And I remember she used to record stuff backwards. Hmm. So we used to call her the backwards girl. <laughs> okay. We did. <laughs> yeah. Was this... But when I got to know her, she was the most amazing, soft-spoken, beautiful soul. Hmm. I mean, she, she... To this day, Ingrid is amazing. When I did the um, symposium in New York... Uh, not last year, but 2000, was this 20, 2017? No, 2018. Uh, it was just me, her, and Matt Fink. She is just still the same. <laughs> She's a beautiful soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Ingrid. So did, was it also, a, did you say it was a change? Did he, did he change sort of his demeanor at all? Um, yeah, he went from he went from hell to heaven instead of heaven to hell. He was in a dark space and he had an epiphany and, okay, there's the airplane. Um, he had an epiphany and it's something that he saw that was more positive, like a light, and he changed. 
You said he was in. And if you see the Love Sexy Tour, the Love Sexy Tour has a lot to do with that 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 particular night. Um, and I remember I wrote a song called December 1st, 1988. But it was actually December 1st, 1987 on a Tuesday night. Mm. Yeah, and that song was on my unreleased album. But uh, December 1st, 1988 was better than December 1st, uh, 87, 1988. And if you go back, December 1st, 1987 was a Tuesday night. And that's when that all happened and changed. When you say he was, he was in hell. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, he was fighting with, for me, he was fighting with evil and good. Like the devil and God. Mm, okay. And he chose God. Because, you know, like when we're born, we're born naked. Mm-hmm. So when he did the Love Sexy album, he was naked. Like God, you know, when you have a child, we're not born with clothes on, we're born naked. So he decided to go with the heavenly part. And that's why he was on the cover naked. And because that, he had an epiphany. And it seemed like from the concert, you know, which I'm, I'm happy that they came to the States with that because, you know, we definitely went to that and that was an experience but almost it was like he was putting to bed the old prince or something and then yes he was okay he like i said he had an epiphany and it was a beautiful epiphany uh but a lot of people was like or what's wrong i got it because i was there i understood why he did it and it wasn't a bad thing and i have to thank ingrid for that wow okay and the process of making that album, were you there while he was recording? Were these newer songs than, you know, stuff? Uh, he would call me up. Uh, we were staying at the Chanhassen Inn. I remember I was laying down, you know, full makeup because I know Prince will call you in the middle of the night. And he called me and he said, I need you to come down to the studio. And I came down and he said, I want you to hear this song. The song was When Two Are In Love. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful song. Love is God, you know. And then with Two Out of Love, I loved it. But I didn't know where it was coming from. So <laughs> then he called the band in. And uh, he played all of us the songs. And we listened to them. And we were trying to figure out where is he coming from. I'm the only person that knew where he was coming from. Mm. Um, it was more like he was trying to get closer to God. Instead of uh, the Black album he thought was really dark and not heavenly or something. Like I said, there's a reason why he did that. And I really can't say it right now. I'm not comfortable, I feel but you. I know why he did that. Mm-hmm. Man. And so I'm pretty sure you heard rumors a little bit, a little bit, but yeah. And, and so the, the love sexy, you know, the album, and it was just, again, mm-hmm. just like sign of times, it was a total different look and, yeah, you know everything yeah. was totally different. Um, that show, that concert, that stage was to me that was the best Prince. Tour Thank you. Ever. I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel the same way because Sign of the Times. To be honest, Sign of the Times was someone else's work before me. It was the revolution. I was just picking up on the revolution's part and you know acting it out and doing that. But Love Sexy for me was totally me, Prince, and Ingrid. 
that I felt more comfortable with. The story we were telling, the dances we were doing, the uh, entourages, everything in Love Sexy had to do with my personal experience with Prince before Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times was the new girl. I was just following the rule. Love Sexy was personal, extremely personal. And, and what was yeah, that? What extremely was, perfect. So what was that like working on that show? Because that show seemed like that was the biggest thing he had ever done at that time. You're in the round. There's so many different elements going on. How long of a process was um, it, you know, rehearsing that? We rehearsed for three months. We had to get used to hydraulics uh, uh, around stage, which he had never done. Um, just different lighting, different. I mean, it was just so deep. It was just different. And because I knew where the experience came from, I was so into it, like spiritually. Mm. My mind knew every song. And while, while I was sitting there watching rehearsal, I knew why everything was written. Every line, every drum beat, every emotion, where a lot of the band members, they probably knew, but I knew more personally. Wow. So, so we should really listen to the things that were said in that. Why is big sexy? Big sexy. Why are you so quiet? Hello. You no, know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm okay. thinking about the Love Sexy tour, and pardon my uh, naivete, for lack of a better word. I noticed after he pulled the Black album, they still did Bob George in concert. Mm. Yes. That's because Prince had a vendetta against um, uh, Bob George. He worked for Rolling Stone magazine. Oh. You remember him? Do you remember him? I do not remember him, no. Yes, you have to. Okay. Okay. He was the guy who worked for Rolling Stone magazine, a black guy. You're talking about he Nelson always, George. Oh, okay. About, Nelson yeah, George. Yes. Nelson George. Okay. Prince did not like him. Nelson George always gave Prince bad reviews and talked, excuse my language, shit about him. So Prince got pissed and wrote this song called Bob George. Bob oh. George is about Nelson George. Hilarious. Now you know. <laughs> now it all makes sense. <laughs> you really did. Oh, come on, you guys. No, I You're did Prince not know. Fan. I didn't know. Put two and two together. Now. Yes, that's about Nelson George. So I thought he was kind of throwing shade at Stephen, yes. the manager. Remember Prince said, I don't talk about you. I don't talk about you. Why can't we just have fun? Why can't we party? Yeah, it was about Nelson George. Okay, okay. <laughs> Prince could not stand him because every time <laughs> Nelson George wrote an interview in Rolling Stone, he dog Prince. Come on, y'all. Hmm. <laughs> Come on. I'm disappointed in you guys. You should have known that. <laughs> Think about the lyrics. He said, I don't talk about you. Why don't you just leave motherfuckers alone? It's all about the party. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Now you know. Okay. Okay. Putting us up on, <laughs> on game. I thought you guys knew that. I'm disappointed in you guys. Oh, I thought sorry. you knew that. I, I, don't, I don't take that L. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Now you know. It's about Nelson George. Prince cannot stand him. Mm. Is he had like yeah. Prince book out and all kind of stuff, didn't he? Back in the day. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. We, so now, you know, we, hey, you know, this is a, listen, you know, this interview is an exclusive. Nobody can have this content, but y'all just saying. Yeah. And we, we appreciate that. And we, we honor. Yeah. That. We, we honor. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. You know, the friends have a lot of crazy cuckoo Prince fans. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me they told him how to ice skate. I was like, okay, oh. <laughs> Already then. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you too, just around this time. I got to ask you about these after shows. Like, oh, God. Y'all did some legendary stuff in these after shows. After shows are like, um, if you perform two and a half hours on stage, after you get off, you jump in your tour bus or limousine, go to the hotel room, shower, whatever, and have to be at a club with your badges on. We had to show our badges to a Prince sideshow, right? But we're performing. (laughs) So I'll give you a, a story real quick. Okay. God, I have to edit this. How can I say this? Think hmm. cat lover with my D voice. So, um, an incident happened in Italy. Well, it was between me and somebody in a band. Prince summoned me and somebody to the room. I get pissed off at that somebody and Prince, and I slam the door. And I say, Give me my passport. I want to go home. But someone refused to give me my passport. So, we're are in New York City. There's an after party. I'm backstage. So Prince said to me, well, I'm not going to call you on the stage till the last minute. Okay. I thought about it. I got pissed. So I snuck out the back door, held me a cab, went back to my hotel room. In the meantime, they were singing on stage at the end of the song, Cat, we need you to rap. Cat, where you at? Cat Glover was back at the hotel with security with double locks. I was mad about something. I did not want to come on the stage because of something that happened. But every night there was an after party. I was tired. I danced two hours. And then I got pissed off about something in New York. Uh, Apparently, they broke in my room. Prince is worried about you. I'm wearing a pair of Levi jeans and a white beater. Took off all my makeup, and I was furious about something. And uh, I wouldn't go back to the club. Hmm. I think there's a documentary about that somewhere. Um, but the after parties were so, put it like this, it was more crucial than the actual um, tour. Mm-hmm. Because we played till 4 or 5 in the morning. Yeah. And I love them, but at that particular moment in New York City, I was not having it. Something really bad happened, and I put it like this. That night, my bodyguard got fired. Really? Yeah. You said something with another band member, huh? Um, No, actually, it wasn't a band member. Well, it was a band member. Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. Yeah, it was. I won't say who that person was. (laughs) Now you got got me wondering. (laughs) You guys probably... you guys know who it is, but I'm not saying nothing. Hmm. I'm pretty sure you guys can figure it out on your own. But I'm not trying to slander anyone. Uh, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. 
But I was the type of person, like, I came from nothing in Chicago. All I knew how to do was dance, but I was the youngest on the tour. But I was so confused how some people can be so mean to me when I was so nice to them. And I told Prince, I can go back to Chicago and dance back in the club. I did tell him that. Mm. He did not want me to leave. But, you know, that's just how I was at the time. I was very honest and real, and I had a son at the time. You know, it was nothing bothering me, but it was like, don't treat me like a piece of crap because I don't judge you by your talent. I stayed in my lane. I was a dancer, choreographer, rapper, and a so-called singer. <laughs> you know, I can't sing like Bonnie Boyer. You know? Right. How was your relationship yeah, with... Uh... Sheila E. in the band. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, I love Sheila. Um, when I came to the warehouse, uh, no, before the warehouse, I was in L.A., which is where I am now. <coughs> Excuse me. Prince, uh, when he found me, like I said, I did this uh, video for Madhouse, the song called Six, and he put me on a wig. He didn't want anybody to know who I was, but that was Limelight Productions. And uh, the video got changed to doing something different. So anyway, Prince told me to be in Brentwood at a warehouse to do this video with Sheila E. called Cuckoo. At the time, back in my days, I wore denim, bleach, bleach, denim jackets, bleach, denim. I know you guys saw that. I was so into punk. So Prince asked me to do this video with Sheila called Cuckoo. So Prince told us to rehearse at the warehouse in Minneapolis. I don't think Sheila really understood that I was a professional choreographer and she was a professional musician. So I remember us practicing uh, my choreography for 12 hours and I never got tired. So then we flew to LA to do the video, Cuckoo, and it went off really great. And, you know, everybody first saw me in a video, Cuckoo, whatever, and it, it took it from there. And then we go back to Minneapolis and uh, we do, I can't remember the song. Um, I swear I can't remember it. Oh, it was Housequake, uh, doing Housequake. And um, I remember she was telling me, well, we have to do it again. We have to rehearse again. I'm thinking, girl, I'm a choreographer. You can't outdance me. You can't fire me. Just like I can't play the percussions and do what you do. So let's stay in each other's lane. That's what I was saying to myself. Um, but that's how that happened. All the denim, all that was me. The jacket I made for Prince, he loved my style. Because, you know, I came from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Fishbowl. I was not in your norm. Um, the other group I loved was the Revolution and Prince. So that's how that came about. You, you, so you, that, that jacket that he wears during the cross, you, you made that jacket? Yes, I did. Nice. Yes. Okay. And also, you just said yeah. something, and I got to go back. Did you just say you you did a video for Madhouse 6? Yes. But what happened is it didn't get released. They redid it. Um, Prince had put me on a short black wig, and he told me to put in some blue contacts, and I did. And then I had my friend Constance Marie Lopez from the George Lopez show. She was in a video, too. And that's when David Bowie saw that video from Limelight Productions and said, who is that girl who choreographed this? Even though that video I did for Madhouse 6 got redone, which was Kurt Damon, 
Kirk Johnson, Damon, and um, Tony. Bam, 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 and that. You know, they're in the jail. Mm-hmm. I choreographed that. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, that was me. And Prince didn't want anybody to know who I was at the time because I didn't know he had plans for me to be in the side at the Times movie. I had no idea. Okay. I was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's what happened. Wow. 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 I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, uh, and then you said you mentioned Cuckoo. Let me tell you, like, I remember when that video came out, I man, y'all was fine as hell in that video. I was like, God damn, Prince? Thank you. That was all my styling. That was your style. Have you ever seen Sheila have you ever seen Sheila E in blue jeans and a white beater? No. no. That was my style back then. Have you ever seen Prince in Denim? Nope. Nope. That was my style back then. I was so different from any African American punk rock dude chick you ever seen. I was just in my own world and that came from Chicago. Mm. So Prince loved it. Where did the, did he already have those little wire glasses? Cause didn't you guys have those in the video too? No, that was his thing. Okay. I never liked those. They looked like granny, uh, whatever. I liked them, <laughs> but he put them on me and I was like, okay, all right then. So yeah, I wore them. Mm. Um, one of the other things. I, I usually wear cat glasses. Cat glasses? Yeah. Oh. I usually wear the cat eye glasses, but. He put me on his glasses. Like, cool. I never liked him, but hey. <laughs> um, from your vantage point, what was it like doing that uh, New Year's Eve uh, performance where you guys had Miles Davis on? The that show? was awesome. But oh my god! Okay, I'll tell you a short story. That New Year's Eve night, um, I almost got fired um, because Prince found out that I was hanging out with Ingrid Chavez. And he was mad about it, right? And before we went on stage, um, we had a little talk because I didn't tell him I was hanging out with Ingrid. Ingrid was cool, but, you know, I guess he liked her and he didn't like us hanging out. I almost got fired, but he didn't fire me. So when we did the uh, New Year's Eve thing, I never forget all Prince's women, I would say, were there. And uh, we did our thing. And then after the show, there was Jill and Apollonia. It was everybody. So after the show at Paisley Park, I changed my clothes. Of course, I wore a cowboy boot. I wore Levi jeans, and I wore a white beard. And I remember Prince saying, come back to my house, which was around the corner from Paisley Park. And I said, all these beautiful women here, don't you want to go with them? And he said, no, because you're different. You're not like them. I was kind of shocked. Hmm. And I'm wearing a white beater, a white beater in some Levi jeans and cowboy boots. Um, I almost got fired that night and um, because he found out I was hanging out with Ingrid. And um, he decided not to fire me. Yeah, I almost got fired that night. What was the problem you hanging yeah. out with her? He Prince was a control freak. He didn't like you hanging out with women that he was possibly trying to date or whatever. But I was just a friendly soul. I like everybody. You know, I looked up to Apollonia, Sheila, Jill, you name it. I was just a friendly, excuse my language, motherfucker. <laughs> I loved everyone. And then he told me, you're not like them. 
Oh, da, da, da. I'm like, uh, they're wearing bustiers and high heels. And, and I'm sitting here like a little blue jean wearing, white beater, no makeup on. Yeah, that was me. Hmm. Yeah. But that was a yeah. phenomenal performance. You know, one of the things in that performance that tripped me out is you guys went into this extended thing where, you know, he was having all these different dances you guys were doing. Like, you guys must have had a lot yeah, of I stuff. Made a- you know, sitting in the bag. He used that to tell me, yeah, he used to say, um, Cat, I have a song. It's called The Six. Can you make up a dance called The Six? So I did it. And me and the Miles Davis did The Six. And I'll never forget, um, before that, uh, we had rehearsal, and <laughs> uh, Miles Davis said to friends, this is so hilarious, I'll never forget it. Miles Davis pulled a, a bag of a tea, you know, like a tea bag? Mm-hmm. You know, like a regular tea bag. So Miles comes to me and he says, Cat, get his print. And it was this wrinkle, crumbly. It looked like someone sat on the tea bag and he said, Get this to print, because it'll make him go all night long. And I fell out laughing. <laughs> it was so disgusting, but it was funny. And uh, he did say that, I'll never forget. And I do remember when I met Miles, he looked so scary to me. He looked really scary, hmm. and his voice was like, <sighs> and then I remember Prince said, now, it's past your bedtime. <laughs> that was cold. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He said, now, don't you think it's past your bedtime? But that was the best performance, but I remember that night, a lot of people got docked. A lot of people got fired because the sound wasn't right. Prince wasn't playing anything on his keyboard. That's what he says. Ain't playing shit. Then he tried to pop the balloons and they wouldn't pop. And I started laughing. This is all at Paisley Park on the soundstage. <laughs> Actually, it was the most hilarious and funniest night that I ever experienced in my life. I remember him saying that. Ain't playing shit. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> Ain't playing shit. And I was laughing my ass off. Because I didn't know, you know, you know, the text that they weren't doing their job. I have no idea, but it was so funny. Yeah, that was, honestly, I can say that was the best time I ever had with Prince. Wow. Was there, did you ever get docked? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you look at the Love Sexy Tour. Uh, I'm trying to remember what song was it. Oh, gosh. I think when we go to the end of the stage, I don't know if it's I Want to Be Your Lover. Uh, apparently, I forgot to pick up my mic. And Prince, uh, we're doing that uh, wooden leg thing, and Prince uh, talks in my ear. Don't forget your mic next time. That's a $5,000 mic. <laughs> he yelled at me, I swear to God, you got to look at the footage. <laughs> and I played it all. Yes. I've gotten docked, too. But this was the funny part. One day... <laughs> Prince docked uh, Bonnie, okay? Can someone play the joke on Bonnie and put a drumstick under her keyboard for 19.99 when a bomb goes off? Mm. So the bomb didn't go off. So Prince says something like, you're docked. And Bonnie says, you don't pay me enough to dock me. And we all fell out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Then there's another time Prince had a, a, a sample of a cash register. Um, uh, you won't see it on Love Sexy, but it was in different uh, countries. So when anybody on the keyboard messed up, Prince had a sample. There was a a, a, a cash machine. It went cha-ching. That means you're docked. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, he would dock people a hundred dollars. You know, no more than a hundred or two hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a that's a kind of cold <laughs> cold way to do it. Cha ching. Yeah, but it was funny. Yeah, docked. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but I screwed up a couple of times. I'm guilty. Okay. Oh, sure. We couldn't tell. That's for sure. Well, well you know, professional. That's what's, up. that's what's up um and lastly here too uh graffiti bridge that he was kind of working on that when you were around too right yeah he was actually working on that when we we're on the lung okay. and um the original script for graffiti bridge was me prince and madonna and uh prince flew madonna out to pay for part and uh i remember i was at home at the residence and, and prince called me up to the cat I need you to come down to the studio at about two or three in the morning. And I said, What's going on? He said, Madonna's here and I can't deal with her. So I got in my car and I drove down there. And then Madonna was standing there and they start arguing over the script of Graffiti Bridge. Madonna didn't like the script. And Prince was telling her, Well, I'm still writing it. They started arguing and then they start ragging on each other. And uh, Madonna said to Prince, um, look at your shoes with those peak sizes and zippers and shit on them, right? <laughs> so then Prince looks at Madonna. Madonna was wearing these, you know how you wear cowboy boots, but hers was cowboy boot shoes, you know, up to your ankle. So and they were black, and Prince said, well, look at your shoes. And I started laughing. And so Madonna said, the script sucks. And they started arguing, and then Prince said, um, Kat, we go to the kitchen that pays the park and pop up some popcorn. So I went, popped some popcorn, came back to the studio, and I stood in the middle of the door with the popcorn. Because Prince told me Madonna loves popcorn, so I was supposed to tease her with popcorn, which I did. So then Madonna said to me, hey, Kat, don't you know what it's like when you eat popcorn and you have the munchies from weed? And I was about to answer her. Prince was waving his hand saying, no, 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 no. So they start arguing about the script. So Madonna said to Prince, I'm going to leave. It's too cold in Minneapolis, blah, 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 blah. And it was sad because Prince had planned a party for, uh, for Madonna. He had the staircase from um, When Doves Cry, the lead to nowhere. He had his brother, Dwayne, being a DJ. But Madonna was ready to go. But what Prince decided to do was like, let's have dinner. So Prince and Chef made dinner. So me, Prince, and Madonna proceeded to the kitchen. Uh, actually, Kat, real welcome. quick, can you speak a little closer into the phone? You're getting a little further away. Oh, so. oh okay. So um, Prince and Chef made food for Madonna and Prince, and we all proceeded to the kitchen. When Madonna got there, she saw all these candles. And she said to Prince, what are we having a seance or something? <laughs> and I started laughing because Prince was trying to make it romantic for her. And um, I started laughing and they never ate the food. And then she told Prince that she wanted to leave. But before she left, they recorded that song, Like a Prayer. And it was another song they recorded together. And then she left. Hmm. It was kind of embarrassing. I felt bad for him. Because he really did plan this important party for it and make him feel comfortable. And he had rented out this whole hotel room, the whole floor for her. But she wasn't having it. Yeah. Interesting. 
were you uh and, and again i need you if you can get back into the the, the mic of the phone were you going to be in this project as well early on oh yeah the originals yeah graffiti bridge was originally was supposed to be for me madonna and prince and sheila e and all of those guys were involved but when he put us on a retainer he had fired a bunch of people and uh me and sheila e was supposed to be on a retainer but then after he fired and put people on retainer, it was just me, Madonna, I think it was Sheila. But then um, he did the Batman movie at the same time. And then he changed the script with Mavis Staple, Ingrid Chavez, and someone else. But the original script was for me, Madonna, Sheila, and that was it. Yeah. Now you said he fired some people. Was Stephen? Was his last name Fernagli? Fernagli? Yeah, Stephen Fernagli. Fernagli. Stephen Fernagli. Was that when yeah. he fired him? And uh, I think so. Yeah, but I didn't know that at the time. I had no idea he had fired him. And Prince told me. Um, he said, um, "I heard that Stephen Fernagli is still your manager." And I go, "Yeah." And then he goes, well, you know, that shit ain't going to work, don't you? And I said, no, I didn't. He said, well, fire him or we're not going to work together anymore. And he hung up the phone on me. Mm. So um, about a week later, I had um, these wisdom teeth in my mouth. And so I had to get them taken out. And I remember a week later, he called me. I could barely speak. And he goes, "Um, so did you fire him? And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, well, you know, we can't work together anymore. I said, oh, well, I guess we can't. I hung up the phone. And that's how me and Prince's relationship ended. Because he wanted me to fire Stephen Fagnoli because he fired him. You remember Robert Cavallo? Mm -hmm. yep. You know, Cavallo, LaFalla. Yeah. So because I didn't fire Stephen, um, Prince said, if, if I didn't fire him, we couldn't work together. And I said, well, I didn't fire him. He said, okay. We can't work together. And I said, okay, fine. That's how it ended. It wasn't that he fired me. I made that choice. And we were supposed to be working on Graffiti Bridge because we had a break because Prince was offered to do the music for the Batman movie, the movie. And he was working on that. So he put me, and I, I don't know about, I think it was me, Sheila, and Bonnie on a re uh, retainer. Yeah. So being on a retainer, I was doing other work, you know, until he finished the Batman movie. But then when he found out I didn't fire Steven, he just said, well, if you don't fire him, we can't work together and hung up on me. And I felt like, well, wait a minute. I don't know what happened between you and Steven, but he's still my manager. And so because I didn't fire Steven, we stopped working together. That's how it ended. It wasn't Prince fired me. I had the choice to say, Okay, Prince, I'm going to fire Stephen. But I didn't. It's just because of my morals. You know, just because you had a problem with Stephen, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So that's how it ended. And then Graffiti Bridge turned over a new leaf. He got Ingrid. Um, Mavis was already in there. Um, and then he got Jill and everything. But the original movie was about me, Madonna, and Prince. Um, because I remember Prince specifically reading the script with Madonna. And Prince told Madonna um, at the end that me and Madonna was supposed to have a dance battle because Madonna suggested it. And she said, well, at the end, me and Katya have a dance battle. And Prince said in his voice, 
I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> I really don't. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, he did say that to her. <laughs> I don't think you want to do that. Um, but because Madonna didn't agree with the script and they were arguing and then um, I wouldn't fire Stephen, the whole script took another turn. But Prince was writing that script while we were on tour, Love Sexy Tour. Melody Cool, all that music. I was kind of looking forward to Graffiti Bridge, but everything turned into chaos. Madonna dropped out. Um, then the thing with me and Steven and I, and then um, he got Ingrid and whoever else. So that's how that turned out. Um, were you still... Surprising to you? Say it again? I said, is that surprising to you? Some of that, yeah. I hadn't heard some, you know, I didn't, certainly didn't hear about the firing Steven thing before. But. Yeah, that's, that's why when people said that Prince fired me, no, he never fired me. He gave me an option. And um, I'm like, you know, I can't fire somebody because you fired them. And then when you tell me, well, if you don't fire him, we can't work together anymore. I said, okay. And we hung up the phone. But then a year later, I'm in London, England. Um, I get a phone call that Prince wants me to fly to Minneapolis to work on my album because I was signed to Warner International, which is affiliated with Warner Brothers in the United States. And um, Prince had booked me a flight to come to Minneapolis, and I purposely missed it because I was so confused. I was like, oh, my God, okay, he wants me to come here. We fired Stephen. But then come to find out, Stephen Bargnoli said, go to Minneapolis and do the track with Prince. So after the second flight, Prince booked me another one. I did go to Minneapolis, um, but I made up an excuse for the first flight. I said, well, Prince, I can't come. I have nothing to wear. I, have this. I don't have this. He said, don't worry about it. When you come here, I'll buy you this, clothes, and whatever. So when I went there, I recorded Cat Attack and a Man Called Jesus. But Prince wanted me to leave Warner Brothers, which is WIA International. And I was so caught in the middle between Prince and Stephen Bargnoli with Wea, um, I flew back to um, London. And Prince wanted to put these songs on the album, but I was so unhappy with Stephen Bargnoli, which, you know, my eyes woke up. It was something shady about him. Um, mm. Prince kept the tracks at Paisley Park. That's why they're still there. We actually recorded them. But I found out that Stephen will be making money off of Prince and Prince didn't like that because if Prince wrote the songs with me and Stephen was still with Prince. Okay, look, Prince wrote the songs with me. Prince fired Fargnoli. So if I recorded those songs with Fargnoli off of We International, Fargnoli would still be making money off of Prince. Right. Give me, you follow me? I got you. Mm. So Prince did, yeah, so Prince didn't want that. So the songs became in the bulk. And that's what they still are. Because I didn't realize that Prince uh, told me, he said, Stephen is using you. If you're recording with me and I fire Stephen and you sign to Warner Brothers, those songs are mine, which really was. Me and him wrote them together, but Warner Brothers would still be making money off of Prince, right. if, you, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, he basically I know saying, it's confusing. He, he, but, well, no, he basically saying, oh boy, I ain't going to be eating off me no more. <laughs> So yes. if you working with him, then he so eating they, off of me and I can't have it. <laughs> yes, they used me. Uh, Warner Brothers used me as a pawn to get back at Prince. But I didn't realize it until Prince said, look, um, you're still signed to them. 
And mm-hmm. uh, even though I fired Stephen, Stephen was trying to get back at Prince. Okay, you wrote songs for Cat, but I'm her manager, and she signed to my label now. So it was, I felt like a puppet. So I finally told um, Warner Brothers in the UK, I was like, I want out my deal. That's what happened. So and you- the only person that was signed, me, Sinead O'Connor, and Bonnie Boyer were signed to that label. And of course, Sinead O'Connor came out with what? Nothing Compares to You, right? And Steven was her manager. Yes, but actually, you know what? That song was out when I signed to Warner Brothers, which is Red Dot Records. And if you walked into the record company in England, the only posters were up with me, Sinead, and Bonnie. Yeah, and um, that's what happened because I realized I was being used. Like, um, Fargnoli wanted to get back at Prince saying Cat signed to my label, but Cat's doing music with you, so whatever music that Cat sells with you, it's going back to Warner Brothers. So I was so confused. I just got out the whole thing. I said, I'm on out my contract. And they let me out. What did I say earlier? But Prince oh, yeah. still owns the song. Those songs are still in the vault right now. Right. Now, you said Bonnie was signed over there too. Was she working on Yeah, I actually, yeah, I flew Bonnie from Oakland to London because she did background vocals on my album, I Am Energy. While she was over there, Stephen Fargnoli signed her. And I remember uh, Dwayne, Prince's brother, saying, oh, what are you and Bonnie now, Wendy and Lisa? We start laughing about <laughs> it. But, yeah. So she was signed on the label because it just started out, like I said, it was only me, Bonnie, and um, Dwayne. Um, but they never released Bonnie stuff either. Mm. Yeah. Let me ask you this, no. uh, just to jump off for a second. So, in terms of like Sinead O'Connor and Stephen Fargnoli, whatever Stephen do, Fargnoli. <laughs> so, okay. what do you make of the Sinead? She was, you know, been in the news talking uh, at times, real kind of funny style. Crap, about Prince. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it at all. She's a psycho, crazy person. All that Prince bet on her. and Prince. No, Prince is not like that. I don't know where the hell she come up with that crap from, but I'm so disappointed in her. I saw that. I saw that. I don't believe that. Honestly, as long as I've been with Prince, he's never shown any violence towards me. We made up have our differences, but it was on a laugh, sarcasm type of base. I don't know why she would wait. This is what I don't understand. Why is it that once a person is dead, you come out and say this. Why didn't you say it when he was alive? Come on, think about it. Am I right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Correct me. For sure. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of easy for say, to say those things when a person is dead and they can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. That's my pet peeve. Yeah, and I, I, it makes me wonder now because I know that she was tied to that Stephen dude. So, so yes. It was such a big hit. And I know they made a lot of money mm-hmm. off that. And I can imagine how that might have pissed off Prince. Like, man, you know, yeah. trying to get me, yeah. trying to get my back. But I'm saying that he, he gave her the opportunity to do the song, Nothing Compares to You. And then when he passes away, you want to come out with all this bullshit. Right, right. Why do you say that before when he was alive? Like a lot of other people that work with Prince. Mm. <laughs> I don't believe nothing they say. Because you could have said it when he was alive. That's the only reason why I say I respect Sheila E. in that level. Because at least she put out the beat to my own drum or something like that. Mm-hmm. She did it when Prince was alive. She didn't do it after his death. 
Uh, she had said something in, in, in that book where she said that Prince had asked her to marry her. Did you, were you guys aware of any of that back then? Hold on, let me get my laugh out. Hilarious. Ah! <laughs> Not true. That's like in the movie Sign of the Times, Prince say, let me take you out tonight. And I say, fuck off. <laughs> Come on now. No, the hell he didn't. <laughs> She's delusional. <laughs> Sheila, come on now. Come on, girl. Get a better story. No, the fuck he didn't. And if he did, it was just all in a routine. Like you do a, a movie and you go, hey, you say something. Come on, please. Even Dr. Fink started laughing about that. We all know that ain't true. <laughs> Let's keep it moving, Sheila. Come on. Girl, please. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Girl, please. Hilarious. That's why I had to laugh on that. My cheeks are hurt for laughing. Thanks for saying that to me, asking me that question. Thank God someone asked me that so I can laugh. Well, we Not was all... true. Okay. I mean, we. we well, it... let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. When you say, hey, y'all, hey, hey, you say that, right? <laughs> yeah. Someday we're going to play. It's just like, hey, would you marry me? Let's pretend we're married. Whatever. Uh, no. Gotcha. Girl, he wasn't down on his knee with the ring and all that. Liar. <laughs> no, he did. <laughs> lies. Lies. Wow. Lies, lies, lies. Man. Not even happening. Trust me. Okay. okay. You can put that on record. All right. Got it. Got it. I was he just curious. He marry me. It's like me. It's like me and my dream and my dog barks. <laughs> he was just barking. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Uh man. Just being honest. I'm sorry. Nah. Hey. Um Everybody Big Sexy, man. Do you, you have anything you want to throw in? Yeah, yeah, I do. A, a couple things. Um <clears throat> excuse me. Let's go back briefly to mm-hmm. being a young performer as you know, you were back in uh eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, and you are being courted to work with David Bowie, and then it gets cranked up a notch, and you get called to work with Prince. How did yes. that make you feel as a young performer? I was overwhelmed. I was shocked because all of my life, uh, I love David Bowie and I love Prince. And you know, God has a way of just just flipping you out. So you like David, you like Prince. Well. I'm going to give you both of them at the same time, and I want you to choose. I was shocked and overwhelmed when it rains, it pours. And when I made that choice, it was a really extremely hard choice, but I knew I would have a longer career with Prince than with David Bowie. But then I found out that David Bowie had a serious crush on me right after Prince. And I'm, come on now, Prince and David Bowie, like, really? David Bowie had the crush on me. Prince, I never knew. You know, I, I knew him, but not like that. So I was really overwhelmed, and I, I was hoping that I chose the right person. And I think I did in the long run. Did you get a chance to see? I mean, I know you were busy on, on the Sign of the Times tour. Did you get a chance to see the Glass Spider tour at any time? Yes, we did in Italy. Um, David Bowie was staying at a hotel right across from Prince and I and the band. And we just happened to be off on that day. And I went to see the tour. And I saw my friend Constance Marie. 
doing his thing. Um, she had these boots on, and they were magnetic boots, and she can make her body extend all the way to the ground and pull herself up like a snake. It was amazing. Yeah, I did get to see it. And then later on that year, Prince threw a party for David Bowie at Paisley Park. And I remember me and Constance were standing against the wall. Dwayne was a DJ. And David said uh, to, to Prince, oh, I met her before you. And then Prince said, well, she's mine now. And it was funny because Constance and I were laughing. It was, it, was, it was awesome. And this was at Paisley Park. That is amazing. So uh, I also was going to ask you, did uh, I, was, I just watched this this morning. Uh, what was up with uh, you and your boy, Greg Brooks? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that was all Prince doing. <laughs> that was all Prince. Prince planned everything. He did everything. I want you to do like me and Brooks was supposed to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And uh, Brooks was cool, though. I like Brooks. He was funny in rehearsal. Brooks is from Detroit. He was totally Detroit. <laughs> and um, I remember I was like, uh-uh, I don't want to do this scene, uh-uh. But Brooks made me laugh. His personality on stage, <laughs> I keep seeing him in my head at the end of Going to Be a Beautiful Night when Prince said, hey, Brooks. Hey, Brooks. And Brooks come on with that suit. He reminded me of Grady. <laughs> on uh Sanford and Son. <laughs> Remember Grady? <laughs> That's where it reminded me of. <laughs> like, he, he, think about it. Grady, he was wearing that hat called Frank. Yeah, Brooks reminded me of Grady. I swear on Bible religiously. Yep. My cheeks are hurt because I still see him in my head doing his little funky dance. <laughs> Think about it. The prince say, hey, Brooks, what do you think that is? And then he does that Grady stump in the head. I sweat, such a thing. You can't help but laugh. Come on. Think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was... Grady. Think, think about Sanford and Son. Right, right. Grady. Just put Frank on his head. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was so dope. You guys, dope. You guys were on like you guys were on uh, Video Soul, Donnie Simpson, and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to ask you, what did your family think of all of this that was going on with you? They were excited, and then they said, "Oh my God, you speak so different when you're on TV." And I was like, "What am I supposed to sound like?" Hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> they were shocked. I was like, hello, when I'm around my family, I'm like this way. But when they saw me on Video Soul, they just was shocked. I was like, what do you guys think? I was stupid or dumb or whatever. Yeah, kind of like that. Because, you know, I grew up in Chicago in the ghetto. Yeah. But, you know, that that was about it. Yeah, they were proud of me. My dad was extremely proud of me. But my dad refused to go see me in concert with Prince, which really hurt my feelings. Um, he was a serious Christian, and uh, mm. he told me it was blasphemy. He didn't, you know, he didn't particularly care for it, but I told my dad that blasphemy paid for your house. Is <laughs> that check? Okay. <laughs> I did. No, seriously, uh, my dad refused to see me in concert. It kind of hurt my feelings, but yeah, my, my family was very proud of me, and that they knew I've been dancing since I was five, six years old, but it was my dream. You know, the one person I wanted to dance with was Prince and then Michael Jackson. So, yeah. Did you ever meet Michael? 
Of course. Oh, Thank you for asking me that. You got to tell me. Yes. <laughs> I met, um, okay, it was Francis and I and Sheila E. And I, Michael was playing in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, Michael invited Prince to come to the show. But, of course, Prince invited me and Sheila E. And we were wearing those coats, um, the one that says woman. Remember that orange coat I wore? And then Sheila wore the one called Sheila E. And then okay. Prince had on a black one. Yeah. Okay, so... We get to the concert, we're at the, um, we go through the back and um, before Michael went on stage. So I have on these Ray-Ban glasses and Prince knows I have a habit, bad habit of staring at celebrities like in awe, like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So Prince told me, don't stare. So he gave me a pair of Ray-Bans, Ray-Bans, Ray-Bans. I put them on. We go backstage before Michael goes on stage, and Michael was so tall. I couldn't believe it. He was very tall, and he wore this, you know those boxing belts or boxing champions when they they win the belt? Mm -hmm. He wore that belt. So this big belt is on him. He's backstage before he went on stage. We get back there. All these cameras are back there, and then it's me, President Sheila, and then Michael goes, Hi, Sheila. I haven't seen you since we are the world. You know, and then um, and then Prince goes, this is Kat. So I, I extended my hand and shook his hand, trying not to, like, freak out. And so Michael Jackson's crew pulled out a camera, a big news camera. And Prince goes, uh-uh, no filming. I told you, no filming. So the cameraman pulled out a camera. Stop filming. We're all talking and stuff. And I'm just standing there like like a, a lollipop frozen. So then um, Prince and Michael are talking. And then I think Prince said something like after party at Paisley Park. So Prince and I and Sheila go out there right before the show started. We watched Michael for about 15 minutes and then we left. And then um, we go back to Paisley Park. After the show, Michael comes and Prince told us um, we had to leave because him and Michael were going to, you know, spend some private time together at Prince's house. But I do remember this. And I told Prince he was mean for that. So when Michael, I think it was Michael came to our concert or we were at his concert, me and Prince wore our mirror, you know, those mirror hearts, mm-hmm. the hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prince, Prince purposely, purposely, I kid you not, he purposely caught, uh, a light, you know, the, the lights is on stage. He took the mirror heart and made sure the light hit the mirror heart and reflected in Michael Jackson's face. <laughs> a mess. <laughs> he literally did. He, he literally did. Prince said, watch this, watch this. And he took the mirror heart and one of the lights hit the stage to flash Michael in the eyes. Yeah, he did that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was kind of me. <laughs> It was so mean. He really did. Tell me, watch this. Oh, this is another thing. So when we came in, we're all wearing these cashmere coats. Prince had on his and said, Prince, I had on mine and said, woman. Sheila had on hers and said, Sheila. So Michael said, I really like those coats. Where did you get them from? And Prince said, do you want me to make you one and put 1986 on it? Because that was the last time you had a hit with the Wall album. Wow. Oh, remember wow. that song? Yes, he did. I'm not kidding you. He actually did. Because <laughs> Michael really loved the coats. He was so sincere. 
Why are you yeah. doing Michael like? And Why are you doing Michael like that? Man? Oh, <laughs> well, because they were kind of they were kind of friends, but like competing with each other. But you know, uh, Michael was not. Michael was gangster. Michael was cool as hell. But when Michael said he liked those coats, and he and Prince said, "Would you like one?" And Michael said, "Yes." And Prince said, "Whatever year the wall came out. What year was that?" Remember uh, the wall. Uh, the year Michael Jackson's The Wall came out. You off the wall? Off the wall, yeah. Oh, that was what, 79? Okay, well, Prince said, yeah, I'll get you one with that year on the back. Stop <laughs> it. He said, Prince said it just like this. What year do you want? The year The Wall came out. That was crazy. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's crazy. Because at the time, all of our coats said, uh, all of our coats said 1988 on the back. Yeah. Okay. I'll never forget that. I thought, oh, you're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> he literally said that to Michael. But then at the end of the night, uh, Michael came to Paisley Park, and then him and Prince ended up going to um, his house, and they had a really good chat. People thought they were really enemies, but they were really good friends. They really were. I hate when they, you know, say that Michael and Prince were enemies. No, they weren't. See, that's good to hear. Yeah, Somebody that was there can say that, you know. Yeah, they, they weren't. I wish people would stop saying that. They were really good friends. They had mutual respect for each other. That's dope. That's so dope. I, I wonder if you said there was a camera crew or something. I wonder if they did snap something and it's just hit. It, I, think Michael's, I think Michael's crew did. Because when we came directly backstage, it was like you were on the news, it was a big camera with a light. And I remember Prince said, I said, no cameras, no cameras. So Michael had him shut it off. And I remember Michael was wearing his gold, lemonade top. And I remember looking at him going, he looked like he'd been on stage already. Mm. Cause he looked like he was sweating, mm. but he was so sweet and so nice. And I was just, I was just standing there. Like I had on my sunglasses. I, I pretended that like I was looking to the left, but I was looking straight at Michael. I was like, oh, my God, this is Michael Jackson. Oh, my God. I really was freaking out. And he was so tall. Yeah. Are there any that other? That was amazing because. No, go ahead. Huh? Well, I was going to ask you, were I there, were there yeah, other, my... uh, I'm sorry, were there other uh, sort of celebrity type musician people that you met? Uh-uh. No. Oh, oh well, you mean backstage with Michael? Well, no, just in general that you were like, man, I, it's an honor to meet this person. Oh, or... George Michael. George Michael. Okay. I met him in Paris uh, at an after party with Prince in a club, and I really, I really admire him. And uh, I remember Prince introducing me to him, and he threw me so much shade. He did. George Michael? Prince was like, George Michael threw me shade. It totally hurt my feelings because Prince said, oh, this is Kat. And I was like, hi, nice to meet you. And he kind of gave me this. Psh. Yeah. He totally like, yeah. I was like, Oh my God. That's why I say there are some celebrities I should have never met. I just want to admire them from a distance. Yeah. He didn't like me too much. I don't know why, but then I found out he was gay. I didn't know he was gay. I just liked his music. I didn't care if he was straight, gay, trisexual, but yeah, I think this was in Paris. And I remember the club of uh, people smoked so much cigarettes was everywhere. I just remember that. But Michael, uh, uh, George Michael was not very nice to me. Hmm. Okay. But boy, George was. I love boy George. Now he was my friend. 
<laughs> okay. When Prince did uh, uh, the Camden Palace, where uh, Ron Wood from the Stones, Eric Clapton, they all sung Happy Birthday to me at Camden Palace. I was standing next to Boy George. And uh, <laughs> this was so hilarious. I'll never forget that. Boy George whispered it in my ear. He goes, tell God I said hi. He was talking about Prince. <laughs> I I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. Tell God I said hi. And I was about to leave because it was my birthday. Um, but then uh, Alan leaves the tour manager. He's like, Kat, don't leave, don't leave. They have a special thing for you. And that's when I started singing happy birthday. But I ended up leaving with Miko Weaver and Terrence Trent Darby. And uh, apparently they took a picture of me in the limos that, that are made in England with them. And the next day, Prince was like, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be in a car with so-and-so, so-and-so. And I thought, shoot, I'm all good. I'm with Miko. But I was supposed to be Prince's girlfriend pretending. We weren't girlfriend and boyfriend, but we had to stick to the story because it was a tour. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're off stage. I'm going to have fun. So Miko went with me and, and, and me and Terrence Trent Darby and, paparazzi took a picture you know i'm all new i'm like okay that doesn't mean anything that's just a picture yeah hmm. that night was interesting interesting uh, fact yeah there's a lot there oh i was gonna ask you that show where he sang you happy birthday and ron wood and all that were you aware or did mm -hmm. you know that they were filming any of these things did you guys ever uh, review no these I, didn't, shows? I didn't know okay. nope i didn't know any of that all i know is i was upset because it was my birthday, and Prince told me he did not want me to come on stage that night. And I was upset, but I didn't know why. And then I found out the reason why he had this plan to have a birthday party for me with everybody performing for me. And I remember there was a birthday cake that came out, and it was so sweet, and I was so shocked. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, yeah. And I had no idea there were cameras. I was on the side standing right next to Boy George, like I said. <laughs> yeah, I did not know. had no idea until it came out, I think, like a couple of weeks later. You couldn't see cameras in there or anything. Hmm. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, so Life After Prince, <clears throat> and you, you said the album, your album didn't come out. You left that, left that label, uh, We. Yeah. What, what did you get into? What was next for, for Kat? Um, I started doing a lot of modeling and then I had a show, uh, it was a TV show in England, but I turned that down. I think I fell, I can't even remember the name of it. <clears throat> I turned it down, but then I stayed in London and I was in a recording studio and I met this guy who was recording and they were from, um, Norway. His name was Nikolai, Nikolai Steen. And as I'm recording, he heard I was recording in another studio, he came downstairs and told me he saw me on tour with Prince and he would like me to record with him on his album. And his music was kind of rock. It was rock. And um, he played me a song called Angel. And he said, um, I would like for you to write a rap to the song. So I said, I will have to hear it first. So I'm listening to the song and I wrote the rap in five minutes and recorded it. And it's called Angel, which the video is out there. I don't know if you've seen it. Called uh, Angel by Nikolai Steen. Mm. And um, he worked with, um, what's their name? They did that song, It's Like a Jungle Sometimes. It makes me wonder how I'll keep more on under. 
was that? Grandmaster Grand- Flash and Furious Yes, Flash. yes. Okay, yes. So he had worked with Grandmaster Flash on the same album. So I wrote the rap called Angel, did it in one take, and then the album was called I Can't Get Arrested. So he asked me, can I write a song for that? So I wrote the total, the, uh, uh, the title of the song, and then Grandmaster Flash came in and did the, the song called The New Message, which that is out, you know, back then on the same album. And then I started working with more artists. It was like, Cat, we want you to do this thing on here, this thing on there. So I was doing that in London and as well as modeling. And then when I came back here, I started going, okay, I want to do something else. And then I started auditioning for commercials, which I did commercials and stuff like that. And then I moved back to Chicago and I started doing pre-production on this music show, which never came off because it was a lot of shifty things going on. I said, okay, forget it. And then I got married and then everything went. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm divorced now, so that was years ago. Okay. And you have any other, you have more, you have a daughter as well? Oh, I've got lots of kids. Like, okay. Yeah. I have a daughter named Angel. Yeah. She's, she's, she's the oldest. I have a son named Tony. I have a son named Mo and I have two twins. Oh, wow. Congratulations. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. At least I took the time out to have some babies. Hey, I am not mad at you. You know, at all. You Family know what's funny? Is important. I had I had my son when I was with Prince and uh Prince was like, Well, I wanna fly him out and um my son flew out on a plane. He was like eight years old at the time. But you know, I knew with my career that something was missing. I had everything in life, I had fame, I had money, but it was something missing. You know, I wanted kids. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know I was that fertile that I can okay, I'm gonna demonstrate, listen. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah i was that fertile bumblebee and i was like time for you to stop girl yeah 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 so yeah i have kids that, that, hey, that's <laughs> they're a... not kids anymore they're they're grown now oh, okay. they're in their 20s wow 22 23 yes 22 23 24 jessica and amber my twins and then angel She's 23, twins are 22, sons 25, other ones 39. Okay. So there you go. Okay. I know, right? I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. That's I'm a lucky. blessing. That's a blessing, kids. Yes, it is. Okay. And, yeah, and the thing is, I guess when you're supposed to get older, you're supposed to gain weight. Oh, God, I'm, I'm smaller than I was when I was with Prince. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> My metabolism, they say. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> He said, "Oh, okay." Now you stay. You 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 back in Chicago? <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> he got what I was saying. Eerie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Big sexy. You know what I'm saying? He said, yeah. <laughs> I that. <laughs> um, no, I'm actually in California. I'm in Mid City Hollywood. Oh, okay. Back on the west yeah. side. Yeah, it's kind of on the creepy side. You know, California, Hollywood, you never know what you'll see. Everyone's out here, as a matter of fact. The Revolution's here. Um, uh, They've been doing the pre-Grammys here. I'm like 15 minutes from Hollywood. They're doing their own thing and parties and stuff like that. Okay. For the uh, pre-Grammys. Yeah. Now, I remember, um, if you you could speak to this, I know you had some uh, health 
uh, issues and things. Yeah. A yeah. while ago. I think that was back in 2000 and I think 2013, 14. Um, I was in, um, in the hospital. I was in a coma on life support. Hmm. And I really didn't know what happened. I remember that it was July 3rd or 4th, probably July 4th, of course. My mom passed in 2006. Um, their favorite holiday was uh, 4th of July. So me and my daughters was celebrating my mother's death. And we were in the desert. Uh, you know, watching fireworks. And I remember all of a sudden I had a sore throat and a sore ear and I couldn't swallow. So I said, come on guys, let's go home. So we went home and um, the next day it got worse. I couldn't swallow. I thought maybe, you know, cause I go swimming a lot. It was from swimming. And mm-hmm. so it got so bad that I told my daughters, okay, let's go to the emergency room. So we go to the emergency room and my oldest daughter, Angel, she went back there with me, and um, I told them I couldn't swallow anything like that. So they gave me this liquid, thick as Motrin, and they told me to swallow it, and I spat it up. And my daughter said, did my mom tell you she couldn't swallow? They were like, well, take your mom home, take her to Walgreens, tell her to get some chloroceptic spray. You know that nasty spray you spray in throat? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't do it. Two days later, my temperature was 102. So my daughters and a friend of mine took me back to the emergency room. All I remember is uh, my daughter took a picture of me and they told my daughter, if you didn't bring your mom back, she would have been dead in a week. And so I, yeah. So I'm like, what happened? I had a sore throat and a sore ear. Apparently I had this abscess that was growing in my chest and it had got big as a baseball. Right. Mm. And um, it was it was attacking my blood cells. It was poison. And what they had to do was they tried to go in through my mouth to get it out. But then they end up. Uh, well, before they did that, they had to call a family member to get permission to operate on me, which all my family members were in Chicago and Texas and St. Louis. But my son was in Chicago, who was over the age of 21, gave them permission. So they had to cut open my throat to get all this poison out. But what happened, um, they sedated me and put me in uh, a seduced coma. They put me in a coma and sedated me so much that they couldn't get me out the coma. Okay. So they couldn't get me out this drug in this coma and told my daughters that they needed to pull the plug because I wasn't going to make it. And uh, I had a breathing tube in me. I mean, it was just so bad. And it was a month that I was in this coma. And so my daughter called her brother in Chicago and he said, no, 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 no. My mom's going to wake up. My mom's going to wake up. Then my sisters told them to take the, whatever they had in me, the drugs or whatever they were keeping me sedated. Um, apparently after a month, they took the, the medicine out. I woke up and had no idea what happened, where I was. I couldn't talk. I couldn't speak. I couldn't walk. And apparently um, uh, T.C. Ellis, that was in Graffiti Bridge. Mm-hmm. He has, yeah, he has, okay, his son and his daughter is my nephew and niece. Um, he uh, has kids with my niece, Yakara. He found out, and everybody was calling the hospital where I was, and someone contact Prince, and 
I was still in the coma. Apparently, everyone was calling the hospital. I still didn't know what was going on with me. But when I came out of the coma, um, they apparently said all these people were calling and uh, Prince called and I couldn't speak to him. I heard his voice over the phone, but I couldn't answer because I couldn't speak. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even pick up a straw. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently Prince paid my hospital bills, which that was crazy. I couldn't even answer to him. I couldn't walk. I couldn't speak. Um, and I started crying. And I asked everybody what happened to me, and they kind of explained it to me. And they were like, you know, they were about to pull the plug on you. Um, it was just the most craziest thing. So... How I survived was Prince fans, prayers, Catholic churches. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing story that um, I experienced death. I really did. I was on that bed. The images that I saw, the things that I went through, uh, but then I woke up and then I see my body. I'm like 20 pounds lighter. I couldn't pick up a straw. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. And I started crying, and I didn't know what happened to me. And I had three specialists, and they came in and showed me pictures of me. And, and they said, well, you know, you had this abscess, and it was the size of a baseball, and they showed me the pictures. I just started crying. I mean, this was the most crazy experience I ever had in life. That's why I was in the hospital. A lot of people say, oh, it was a drug overdose. It was this. I'm like, dude, I don't even do drugs. What the hell are you talking about? Right, right. It's just something. So I tell people. Um, if you ever have a sore throat or uh, a sore ear, whatever it is, and you, you can't swallow, it's probably not just an ear infection. It's probably not you going swimming. It's probably not just a throat infection. Go to a doctor and find out. Wow. It could be something else. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, I've never heard of an abscess growing in your chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to me. And, uh, Wow, I almost died. And I did see something on that other side, but it wasn't what people thought. And then I remember uh, my phone kept ringing, and it was David T.C. Ellis. He came out, out to my hospital. Then there was Prince who called, and I couldn't talk to him. I was just so out of it. Yeah. Wow. So that's what happened with that. Okay. See, this is, uh, yeah. yeah, this is, uh, you know, thank God your family and friends stood up for you and didn't just let them pull mm-hmm. the plug right and kept calling yeah because they would have yeah that's why when i heard about uh, uh when i heard about bobby brown's daughter bobby christina mm-hmm. and they said that uh when they said she was in a coma for the first week then they said the second week when i heard it was other than that i said it doesn't matter if if she comes out that coma because i was in that coma for a month and when i came out you know, you, you can't move your legs. You're, you, lo- you lose your muscles. You lose everything. You're so thin. Your head feels like it's 5,000 pounds. You can't lift a straw. I knew she didn't have a chance because they kept her in there for, what, six months? I was only in there for one month. Mm-hmm. And the drain it has on your body, mm-hmm. now, all of that, it was nothing but prayer and God. And, you know, everybody supported me. And, however, I did not even know who was supporting me. Right. But it came out for my best entrance. And to this day, I'm still grateful. And I'm so tired of people assuming, oh, she was on life report, a drug overdose. No, dude. It's like, do your math, dude. If you have an earache, sore throat, don't think it's just that. Go get it checked out. So I do have a um, scar under my neck. 
And when I did the Rolling Stone interview for Germany about two or three months ago, you can actually see the scar on my neck. But I don't hide it because it's my truth. Right, right. Yeah, so that's that's what happened to me. Man, and salute to uh, David uh, T.C. Ellis. I met him a couple times. Yeah. Y'all can say what y'all want to say about his music, but the dude is a stand-up dude. He's a real guy. Uh, he does a lot yes. of great work with the kids and stuff as well. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. He came out um, to my condo when I got to the hospital, and I was on a walker. And the first thing he said was, damn. <laughs> and I couldn't talk, and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and he came out with his son, which is my nephew, Kingston. Kingston is my baby. He has another daughter, too. So um, him and his Su- Do you remember Suzanne? Suzanne, who worked with Prince, that's his sister. She came out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they were all out at my condo, and they were just, like, freaking out, and they were like, you okay? And I'm like, dude, I had no idea that, you know, I was on my deathbed, seriously. Mm. But it's just interesting to me that people assume, okay, I took drugs, drugs. No, dude, if you get that, go to a hospital. It had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Now you know the true story. See, I don't tell anybody yeah. anything. I told and, you, so you got the first scoop. And now they now people gonna know. And I now after hearing it like that, I understand why you you ride for Prince the way that you do, and and the mm-hmm. morals and the stories yeah. that you have. I it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, mm-hmm. this is uh that's a you know. And he didn't he didn't have to do that. Right. They reached out. Bonnie Boyer's sister reached out to Sheila E. Sheila reached out to Prince. Everybody. And you know, my my hospital bill was like over a hundred thousand something dollars. Mm. Um, I don't know if my insurance would have covered it or not, but Prince did it, and he did it anonymously. And he called, but I couldn't talk. I couldn't speak. Mind you, I couldn't even pick up a a, a, a straw. And literally, I did start crying, and I had blood transfusions and all that, and you know what I mean. But that's the truth. That's what really happened. Okay, man. Well, I know, you, I know your know. kids are so appreciative of you being back and healthy and stuff. Like, man. Oof. Yeah. You know what's scary is they took pictures of me, and I remember uh, when I woke up, they told me that Child Protective Services was taking them away. I was like, huh? Wow. Because they, the Child Protective Services thought I was going to die. So before they could pull the plug, they already took my daughter, separated the twins from Angel, and put them in foster home. Mm-hmm. But when I got out the hospital, the lawyers of Child Protective Services came to my house, and the first thing they did, I was in my office, and they saw these pictures of me in print, and they were like, "Is that you?" And, da, 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 da. and I said, "Look, I'm suing you guys. Straight up told them, I'm suing you." And David T. C. Ellis' uh, uh, son was there. I went to court. If I can step in the courtroom, I got all my kids back, and I sued them. So you took my kids. When I was in a coma, knowing their mother was going to die, you traumatized them. And how do you know that you are going to die when you're in a coma? Why would you do that to some, some child and traumatize them? Yeah. So when um, David, David came out with Susan, they were like, where the girls at? You know, I got all my girls back like in two, two or three days. Yeah, it was really traumatizing. Man, well, I, I'm glad to hear that there was a great end to yeah. that and you came through that and your family stood yeah. by you. So that's a blessing for sure. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm glad you shared that. 
Yeah, well, you're welcome. I wouldn't share with anyone else. <laughs> Um, well, man, we, we should wrap it. Oh, I, yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to wrap it there. That's a great positive thing. And and uh, but big sexy, did you have any other uh, thing you wanted to get into before we we wrap it up here? Well, excuse me. Uh, I see we got some questions um uh, over in the Facebook. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe throw a couple of those out. We just okay. Right. Sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let me go ahead. Yeah. Okay, um, a good friend of mine, <clears throat> and we're going to find out right now. Uh, let me pull up here. His name is Jace Whitman, and he okay. says that he did a photo shoot with you and someone named Richard Hallmark, and he taught you some, or you guys talked about some meditation techniques. Yeah, I remember Richard. I remember Richard. I think it was in Sacramento. Yes. Yes. With my with my niece, uh, Ashina, which is David T. C. Allen's girlfriend, who has you know, my nieces and nephew. Yes, I remember him. All right. <laughs> yeah, I did a I did a photo shoot with uh oh my god, um Richard Hallmark, he's a great designer. Yeah, they threw me out there and I was with my niece, uh, Yakara. Her name is Ashina at the time. So yeah. I do remember that. So, what does he want to know? Well, again, Jace just wanted to ask if um, I'm trying to pull up here and not look like I'm. Here it is. If you ever continued those meditation techniques that you talk with her, talk with that he talked with you about at the Richard Hallmark shoot. Tell him yes, I do them every day, and I hate when people disturb me. Everyone knows in the morning I meditate, and at night I meditate, so no one talks to me until I'm done. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking over some of these questions. I think we've addressed a lot of these. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, a lot of them were definitely covered. <laughs> well, with that said, I don't. You know, I want to be respectful. I'm gonna call. Hold on. I'm gonna call Big Sexy. Love Sexy. <laughs> 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 yes, I gotta send you a T-shirt. It's that Big Sexy, aka Love Sexy, because yeah. boy. <laughs> I love you. Why, thank you. <laughs> Why, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, I can do my deep man voice. Hello, how you doing? What's happening? Well, one thing I want to thank you for is um, recently I've been getting into some David Bowie. And now that, you know, you turned me on the, the glass spider, I'm going to watch that later on today. Yeah. It looked like it was a lot of fun. Yes. And watch my friend, Constance Marie. She's a little Hispanic girl. Yeah, she's a little Hispanic girl that does these things with these ski boots. And Bowie pulls her towards him like a magnetic field. And she goes all the way forward like she's going to fall on her face. But then Bowie pulls her back, like to a back bend. It's so amazing. That's the tour I was supposed to do. It's amazing. Watch it. Hmm. Oh, one, one, just an odd question. But what is squirrel meat? Yeah, uh, that's just like you go like you're in Texas and you shoot some squirrel and you put it in there and you just it's so good. You just hump to do because squirrels hump, you know, a lot. Oh, OK, fucking fill in this squirrel meat. <laughs> they hump. Go to, my ex-husband used to shoot squirrel to try to say, cat, would you like some? I'm like, mm-hmm. I sung that song too much. I don't want no squirrel meat. <laughs> that's what that means. OK, Yeah, it's good. Humping. 
That's why you see us humping uh, at the okay. end of a, a yeah. site. Yeah, because squirrels hump. Google some squirrels humping. They look just like that. <laughs> <laughs> they do. It's interesting. Squirrel meat. Now, now I get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we're about to get up out of here. Kat, let me just tell you again, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing with us a lot of things you haven't shared before. Uh, it's definitely our honor, and we so much have love and respect for you. And just for everything that you've done over the years, like you're immortalizing a lot of this classic stuff. Uh, so we just really appreciate you for that. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. I mean, like, I always get interviews and I turn a lot of them down, but my business manager said, Hey cat, this guy is so cool. And I'm like, yes, yes. I just, I just, and you guys actually have the best to me personal interview I've done because I feel extremely comfortable with you and big sexy. And, um, you know, you weren't being disrespectful. You're being so cool. And I love that. And one thing I want you guys to always know about me, I am not about the money. I am all about being genuine. I'm so real that sometimes people, you know, get offended by my outspoken words, but I don't care. I'm going to be Cat Glover. That's it. Love it. Yeah, you got to do you. You got to do you at all You got to do your thing, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Exactly. Well, as I always say, ladies and gentlemen, we are up out of here. We're going to work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.